Swings high and deep left center field. Gone. Free run over. He went to the well, all right. And Frazier went to the bridge. Juan Abreu is swinging a high fly deep right field. At the wall. It's gone for a two-run over. Frazier tags him. That's a triple play. Oh, my. That is one we were going to talk about for years to come. Now, a special edition of White Sox Weekly. Scheduled to appear on this afternoon's broadcast. Harold Baines, Dan Jennings, as well as Ed Farmer and Darren Jackson. Second for two on the first. Triple play. How about that one? Live from the Hilton Chicago, it's special coverage of SoxFest 2017. Look alive, Chicago. On the proud home of everything White Sox, WLS AM 890. Now, here's your host, Connor McKnight. And to a very special edition of White Sox Weekly, I'm Connor McKnight. We are at SoxFest 2017. Thanks for hopping in. Thanks for joining us. And a big thanks to David Hochberg and the crew for leading off this extravaganza. We've got a packed lineup all throughout the afternoon as we have uh, passed into those hours. We'll be here today and tomorrow. And we'll be joined, of course, by White Sox players and coaches, former players, greats, all that kind of good stuff. We'll also be joined by uh, the entire station lineup uh, throughout the two days. Bob Surratt and Marianne Marciano are here right now. We'll have uh, Brendan Greeley of the Steve Dahl Show swinging by, and uh, either Big John or Ray, or maybe both. It's entirely possible if the flu bug hasn't taken out uh, the both of them. Uh, we'll have them around, too. But to lead things off and to get things going, I guess we can move down the seats a couple here. We've got uh, White Sox great Harold Baines with us, as well as Bob Surratt and Marianne Marciano hanging out with us, too. Uh, Harold, nice to have you. Good to see you. Uh, how is SoxS 2017 for you? Have you started the weekend in full, or you have a lot more to go uh, throughout the rest of the day? Any other questions? Hmm? Any other questions? Any other questions? <laughs> no, everything's great. We got started uh, actually Thursday. We had a big dinner with the um, sponsors. Nice. So it's going well. And you, uh, your role's changing a little bit here over the next, uh, over the last year into this year, kind of changing some, a little less travel, but a little bit of work with the team too. So uh, as as you change, kind of the, the squad changes some too. A lot of changes for the White Sox in the last month and a half. Maybe that was the reason. I don't know. I don't think. I don't <laughs> think you were the reason. <laughs> no, it was, it was time to make to make a change. Yeah. For my body and for my family, you know, I have uh, fortunate to have four kids, and they all decided to get married in two years. So I've been been busy with that. So you've had four weddings in two years. Yes. Four weddings in two years. Yes, three girls and a boy. Are you paying for the boys' wedding too? Yes, I That did. is not fair. <laughs> is it? Aren't you supposed I to agree, just pay for my, the girls' wedding? <laughs> when your wife runs everything. <laughs> Choices are All right. right. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. Harold, uh, nice to meet you. Thank I'm Marianne. Bob. Yeah, I met Bob. Yeah, Bob, Bob thinks you should be in the Hall of Fame. I appreciate that, but I can't really. I also you know. think I also think that uh, Harold and I have a lot in common because you know I've been known to uh, work at the various TV and radio stations and then leave and then come back to the same station again and again and again. <laughs> Uh, this only three times. Only uh, three yeah, times. well, you were at the Sox three times. <laughs> right. uh, I well, I've only been at WLS two different times, but I was at NBC five three different times. So well, I actually did it with two teams. That's right, the Baltimore did. Orioles and the White Sox. And each time you come back, does it seem like an entirely different new organization? Not really. I mean, I always felt the White Sox was a family. You know, I, I got drafted in 1977. And they're, they're treating me like a son more than just a player. Jerry's a very special individual, and I'm from Baltimore. So I, it was like going home. 
after 14 years to play and sleep in my own bed. Did you did you get to spend some good quality time with Minnie Mignoso? I did. Yeah. He was like a second father. Yeah. Tell me yeah. about that. A uh, very special I man. Him. I mean, I couldn't understand him. <laughs> you know what? Well, I, I couldn't understand him in English or Spanish. <laughs> well, I know a little bit of poquito Spanish, but he was a great man. He treated me as a, one of his sons. You know, I played with Arrestus, one of his sons in the minor leagues, but Manny was you know, very, very special man to me. The last time Bob and I got a chance to to uh, to speak with him, and he, he had made several radio appearances and TV appearances with us over the years. But um, I was really impressed because it was, I think it was probably the last year of his life. And um, this man was still doing 100 sit-ups a day, every single day, even until the end. He was doing sit-ups. How old was he? Nobody knew how old he was. He claimed to be, at that time, what, 89 or something? Is that like saying 39? (laughs) Well, he, he had a kid at 60-something. Right. Oh, Connor, so, you can do like 200 so, push-ups. Yeah, give it up. So, yeah, he would do, time, right? so he exactly. would do these sit-ups, and then he said he said uh, it, was, it was his routine before taking a shower. Really? So uh, sometimes if he had to take a shower twice a day, which he often did, he would do it twice a day. Well, some of that could be false because... If the White Sox won a game, he didn't change his clothes. He, that's, how, that's how superstitious he was. Really? Yeah, really. What are really. his What were his other superstitions? That was his biggest one. I mean, that you want the White Sox to win. So, you know, if we won ten in a row, you saw the same outfit every day when he came in the clubhouse. What are your superstitions? I don't really have any. I just try to stay healthy enough to get on the field. That's a very hard to do. If he's not changing his clothes, it's some. You know, I know everybody wants to win ball games. games. <laughs> well, that's what I had to ask. Because at some point, you know, those those planes are small. The bus no, rides this are is there, and... this is in Chicago. Okay, you know. all right. He didn't travel with us. Okay, okay. I thought I thought we were talking about back in his you know playing days and stuff when he weren't. No, this is when he was an uh, ambassador for Fox. Really? Yeah. That's it, you know, it takes a special level of superstition to be superstitious when you're not playing. <laughs> No, no. That's how much he loved the White Sox. That's impressive. That is impressive. Uh, I wanted to ask you about, uh, speaking of the Hall of Fame, uh, a guy who either you you know, were alongside, next to, or or playing contemporary with, Tim Raines, who just got into the Hall of Fame. Uh, Very well deserved. Very well deserved. And I I thought what was interesting about his, you know, his time with the White Sox, his time in Montreal, you you spent some years in Montreal and then came over to the White Sox. Who? And looking at, oh, no, sorry, uh, Tim Raines. Tim Raines. Yeah, I, I think I said you. I met Tim. Uh, we all look alike. I understand. <laughs> Come on now. Uh, <laughs> wow, I'm never going to get over that one. That hurts a little. Uh, Tim, I mean Tim's career, especially with the White Sox and, and doing what he did at the top of the order, was was unparalleled. And I wonder if you think, playing at the, around the same time, if you think that being a contemporary with Ricky Henderson maybe hurt him on the ballot some over the over his ten years on the ballot. It shouldn't have. I mean, he got in the Hall of Fame on his last time. To, yeah, his final year. His numbers didn't change. No. So if you're good enough on the 15th time, he should have been good enough on the first time for me. Do you think that should change in our Hall of Fame voting and the, the way we put guys in? Um, yes, yes. But it, it's very hard to get in there. I mean, any if you need 73% to get in anything, it's hard to get in. Right. So, you know, but I... I don't really know all the ends that what goes along with that, so it's kind of hard to really 
to comment on it. Well, like any voting, like there's, there's politics involved, and there's you know sports writers who are going to get or baseball writers who have their opinions on on guys and players and personalities and whatnot. But I'm, I'm with Harold. I mean, if you're if you're on the ballot for ten years, your stats don't change. It, it seems like if you're good enough the one time, you ought to be good enough, you know, each and every time you're on the ballot, or, or the first time around. Well, I, I assume that the guys that the writers are want to vote for a certain guy that particular year, so that might knock the other guy backwards right. a little bit. So that's that's the tough part of it. Yeah. What were your favorite things to do when you were not playing? Um, in the wintertime or in the, like off In the wintertime, yeah, when you were like when, when it was off season. Like what would well, you, you like you, to as, do? If you have a family, you got to get to know your family again. Exactly. So that was number one. But I was an avid golfer, so I, I play a lot of golf. But my one priority was to get to know my kids again. Did they live um, in the same city as you did? But once um, they started school age, we um, had a set route somewhere. And I'm from Maryland, so we, the kids stayed in Maryland. They came out once school was out. But once school started, we kept them in a safe environment. And what was that like? I, I always wonder about this with, with uh, baseball players because it's such a long season. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what was it like having to be away for so long? I mean, there was a time when Bob considered working in the business. Well, I had <laughs> and an we offer. we were dating. He had, I, an, I offer. had an offer. We were dating, and I was saying. I wisely you, said no. You cannot be gone that long. You know, I mean, but, of course, well, it, the offer was not to play baseball, no, by the way. No, no, no. <laughs> well, it is baseball, but it's a job first. Right. So you got to take care of your family. And fortunately, I had a wife that understood that. So was it, I mean, did you get to go and, you know, stop in sometimes during the season? Or every, was it like you're gone from beginning to every, end? Every off day in Chicago, I was back in Maryland. Oh, wow. You probably accrued a lot of uh, flying miles. Oh, well, not back then. They didn't, they didn't have frequent flyer plans. <laughs> not back then. Nice ring. Harold. It took me 25 years to get this ring. Do you wear that ring? I was looking at it. I was admiring it. Uh, do you wear that all the time? No. 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 Not, not going to the gym. Right, right. Well, it would get in the way of Only the, uh, the baseball gym season. clubs. Yeah. <laughs> Only during the baseball season. Uh, that ring, uh, kind of describe the ring. It is the, tell uh, us about the ring. It's the 05 championship ring. It's got the big, is that a, I forget what the uh, the black stone in the middle, is that an opal? Is that you know what that is? Or onyx? That's Marianne's department. No, That's jewelry is her uh, department. Actually, his, his wife designed this. Jerry Reinsworth's wife designed That's right. this, That's right. this ring. That's why most most rings are square, and this is oval. And it's got the it's got the two bands of diamonds kind of subset, you know, behind it. Oh, and you've got your you've got the bangs on it on the side. Does everybody have it personalized? Yes. Not, no, that's awesome. And Harold, do you ever think, man, if I was single and had a ring like this, uh, <laughs> I would be waving it around at all the singles bars, and it would be tremendous. No, I'm kind of a loner, so I didn't really go to <laughs> go to bars. <laughs> And I don't drink, so. And your children are now what ages? They range from 32 to 26. Oh, wow. That's real close. So they were in college at the same time. They were in high school at the same time, right? Three, in college, at, three in college at the same time. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> not on the pocketbook. Right, fun. exactly. <laughs> That's what I mean. I was being sarcastic. But, it, but I've been blessed with four beautiful kids, so it was, it was all worth it. Where do they live? Do they live in Maryland? They too? all live within an hour of our our house of your so. house in, Mar- in Maryland. In Maryland, yes. yeah, that's a nice area. Mm-hmm. Four weddings in two years. I'm still getting over that. That's that sounds insane. like the name of a movie, Connor. Yeah, right. Four <laughs> weddings in two years. That's a romantic comedy yeah. starring Harold Baines <laughs> and his four kids. That's exactly. exactly how that works. Well, I've been told I'm not that romantic, so it couldn't be. I couldn't star in a movie. 
<laughs> Harold, did you ever think that uh, when you got done playing uh, that you would get into broadcasting? How much did you think about life after baseball when you were playing, and, and what did you have in mind for yourself? I actually thought I would play 10 years and retired. Really? But I actually played 22. Yeah, 79 to 02. Uh, what um, went into the 10 years no, thinking? I was, like, I was young and dumb, didn't figure. <laughs> but then the kids came along, and expensive came along. So then I said, you know, I only know one thing, baseball. I didn't really go. I came out of high school. I didn't really have anything to fall back on education-wise because I didn't go to college. So I figured I had to play. I would play until the phone stopped ringing. So the phone started ringing at the age 43. <laughs> wow. An incredible career. And did That's you think, uh, one day I want to manage, one day I want to coach? Not manage. I mean, unless you get a ring, it's not really. It's too much stress and you know, a lot of people don't see what a manager goes to. It's not just your X's and O's like a football, but you gotta you gotta manage 25 kids, 25 different personalities. And and then with all the people interviewing you over the years, did you look at guys like Connor and say, well, yeah, I, I, really I can get, do that. Know, I, I can I, do that. I, I didn't get a real lot of interviews because my answers were yes, no. <laughs> Evidently. You were one of those guys. I, was, I wasn't around Kittle. I you were not media trained. <laughs> no, 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 I was trained. No, trained so to keep them away from me. <laughs> Harold, those are answers with a purpose if you're a ball player. You, you right. start to learn that if you give certain answers, then maybe you don't get asked those questions anymore. I mean, they're, they're, they're a little easier. They're honest answers. There you go. Hey, Connor, is that what you, uh, like, you, you stay away from we the start guys? To, yeah, no, it's a like learning Harold, process. Right? Yeah, no, it's, it's a learning. We know. You know, you go down to that clubhouse and you kind of make that eye contact and you go, okay, we're, we're good. We're, we're good for the day. I understand what we're up to here. Now, I always think, you know, if I were a Major League Baseball player, first of all, if that happened, there would be something wrong with Major League Baseball. But if I were a Major League Baseball player, uh, I, a couple of things would happen to me. First of all, I would be jumping in the stands every now and then because uh, there'd be somebody there who obviously is not uh, in shape to play any sport yelling at me, and I would I would be bothered by that. And I would also uh, be reading the newspapers and watching everything uh, where my name was mentioned, and I would probably uh, contact the people who wrote anything or said anything bad about me, and I would do that uh, constantly. You probably wouldn't last long. <laughs> <laughs> Would you, uh, do you and would you be worried about crowd size too, Bob? Would you be uh, no, concerned with that? Uh, would you, do you develop a, a thick skin in the minor leagues and, and, and it doesn't really ever affect most of, it most of, it didn't affect most of the guys? No. Some guys are, you know, you're dealing with personalities. My personality, it can roll off my back. So, you know, some guys couldn't take it. But you hear, you hear things yeah. at the park, right? You hear the fans, don't you? You hear him, yeah. yeah. Mostly it was Harold, Harold, not <laughs> not too many booze in Chicago. Yeah, in your case, that's that's true. Play well enough, and it gets over for you. Yeah. Harold, thanks so much for stopping You're by. Very really appreciate very you hanging out. We got uh, a packed list of guests. I'm Connor McKnight, Bob Surratt, Marian Marciano here with us. We'll take a quick break here at SoxFest 2017. You got White Sox Weekly on WLS AMA 90. Welcome, welcome back. Let's try it this time. Welcome back to. On. Welcome back to SoxFest, White SoxFest, SoxFest 2017. Sorry, we're having microphone issues up here. And by we, I mean me, and I can't find the on-off button. Uh, Marianne Murciano and Bob Surratt with us here at SoxFest, a special edition here on White Sox Weekly, WLS AM 890. Just got done hanging out with Harold Baines, uh, who rightfully in insulted me for 
uh, <laughs> mistaking the careers of Tim Raines and Harold Baines and looking at the wrong stat page. And uh, But Harold set me straight, as he often does and has with uh, White Sox players for quite some time and in his own career, too. You guys are, uh, thanks for coming by and yeah, hanging out and everything. Yeah, fun to be here. And I was just talking to Harold, uh, you know, off mic uh, during the commercial break. And, you know, we were talking about Cuba, mm-hmm. and he has been there. You know, he went back, you know, at one point in 1999, and it was really um, super fun to talk to him about that. What a nice guy. What a nice guy. Oh, yeah. No, he's he's yeah. one of the good ones, and uh, we talk to, we get to talk to him every Sox Fest, and it's awesome that he stops by and comes through for White Sox fans. I know he's a, he's a fan favorite. I wanted to ask you guys about, speaking of Cuba, I, w- I was going to ask you about it. I saw yesterday during the media session that we all kind of get to hang out with players and say hello and reacquaint ourselves. Uh, I, I saw... One of the young ones, one of the new ones, Yoan Mancata and Jose Abreu, hanging out with the both of you, and I wondered what. Come on, what? How did you guys wrangle that? Well, they didn't we, care about me. <laughs> no, no, I know. <laughs> well, we took him behind the curtain, and thank you, Connor, for having everything to do with making that happen, um, uh, be, because we really appreciated it. Because um, I, I don't know. My feeling is that when we first started talking to them, they were kind of like a little gun shy at yeah, first. Uh, sure. Do you notice that too? Sure. And I think, you know, I was talking with uh, Ricky Renteria, the new manager of the White Sox, who is himself, you know, bilingual and a first-generation American. And I, we, we were talking kind of off mic about how I, I just couldn't, I can't imagine how difficult it is to be yourself in a setting in a second language, in a language that you don't quite comprehend quite yeah. yet. Well, you know, and part of the interview, which I think is, did we find out that it's posted already? Uh, it, it I is. think it, on the WLSAM oh, cool. uh site i think but anyway you'll see part of the interview um it at one point i said to jose because bob was asking me questions to ask them and i was thinking of questions that i wanted to Mm -hmm. ask them as well and um every time that i looked at jose abreu's face he looked like he understood everything that was being said in english but then i asked him and he said he said, no, 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 ask me, you know, translate in mm-hmm. Spanish. You might feel a little bit insecure about that. I, I think some of those guys are, like Jose Quintana yesterday had his conversation. And, of course, Jose's, uh, you know, his name's out there on the trade block. It's possible that he could be moved. A lot of White Sox fans have asked those questions throughout SoxFest. And Jose's a really, Jose Quintana, I should say, uh, not that Jose Abreu isn't, but a stand-up guy and wants to be there. And, and you can tell that he understands generally what's going on. But I think a lot of those guys want to have that interpreter there. Billy Russell does a great job with the White Sox of, of helping these guys out and making that transition just to make sure that nothing's missed. Right, because Nuance. there are so many subtleties, yes. nuances, and, uh, and, and, and you know that. I mean, they obviously have to be understanding stuff because right. English is the spoken language. But, yeah, I, I mean, to, to be a young guy, those guys are, I think they're 21 and 29 years old. Yeah, Jose's uh, 29. 29. Yeah, and then, Yuan and then just Yuan turned 21. Just turned 21. Yeah, I, I are kids. <laughs> I was asking Jose uh, Abreu, and, of course, um, I would ask a question, and then Marianne would translate, and then I would ask Marianne, what did, what did he say? But I did understand a couple of things without the translation, because at one point I think I said uh, uh, to Abreu, I, and uh, I said, who's going to – uh, who's going to watch this guy? Who's going to be in charge of this guy? You know, uh, and and he what did he, he say? He Mary? got a, he got a big kick out of it. He he said, uh, "I'll be his guardian." Yeah, uh, uh-huh. <laughs> I'll be his guardian. But you know, he said it with a little, you know, uh, uh, a little uh, I don't know, wink, wink. Sure. Like you know, like who's going to be able to 
you know, be his guardian. I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I think, too, for, for Yohan Moncada, and, and it's possible that he starts out the season in AAA. He'll be up with the White Sox, I think, in short order. But for, for him being even younger than Jose Abreu, Jose Abreu is – legend is probably stating it too far, but in the baseball community in Cuba, which is uh, a hot one as it is, like, he is so well-respected in that in his own town, in that on that island, in the baseball community, just the kind of guy he is. And, and I've, I've heard Yoan in, in Spanish kind of talk about how, in, in reverence almost, of Jose well, Abreu. And he considers him an older brother. I, what I said to him was, he's more like your father, isn't he? <laughs> and he says, no, but an older brother. Because they played together in Cienfuegos yes. in Cuba. Um, and he said from, from day one, all he wanted was to be like Jose. That's all he wanted. And we spent about a half hour with them, and uh, like an idiot, I then uh, say to our program director, well, this will be great. We'll, we have the video uh, for social media, and then we'll take the audio, and we'll play it on our 10 a.m. to noon weekday show. Mm -hmm. And then I'm reminded, well, most of it was in Spanish. So I guess uh, <laughs> I guess that's not going to fill time during the week for we, us. We could have somebody edit the English parts, because I did try, and it'll just be me talking to you. <laughs> Doing, doing different voices for Jose. Yeah, exactly. Her, exactly. That's exactly. That'll translate perfectly here. They were so cute, though. I was so impressed, and I would encourage anybody. I mean, like, I am dying to see these these guys now on the field. Yeah. I mean, now that I got to know them, and also, by the way, and uh, Connor, I'm hoping that through your magic you can make this happen, but I asked them, you know that I have a food, we, we have a food website, susosfork.com, S-U-S-O-S. F-O-R-K.com. And that's also the name of our YouTube channel. So uh, we're, we're posting all these videos, and we will be posting the video also uh, of uh, our in conversation with them. But I asked them if they know how to cook. And um, Usually they, baseball players don't know how to cook. Okay, thank you. I, I, I should have talked to you first uh, well, because they both sometimes. jumped at it and said, because, wait, didn't Sammy Sosa know how to cook? I think that Sammy Sosa knew how to cook. Yeah. He knew how to, uh, uh, no, cork. He knew how to cork. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> okay, so they both jumped at the answer to this question immediately, like, no, we don't know how to cook, but we, but, and, and Jose said, I would like to learn. And then I thought, oh my God, I would like to teach you. And then, uh. Um, yeah, they were all for that. Yeah, and then Yuan said, uh, he said, I can make a little egg. <laughs> Big eggs he can't make. Just Big eggs he can't make, but he says, un huevito. 312-591-8900. We'll have some room for phone calls here on White Sox Weekly throughout uh, the afternoon, but we've got the 1230 news coming up. Bob Surratt and Marianne Murciano hanging out with us here at SoxFest. After the 1230 news, Tyler Danish, a nice guy and a great story coming up to uh, to hang with us here at SoxFest 2017. I'm Connor McKnight. You have WLS AMA 9. Here at SoxFest, I'm Connor McKnight, and with me, Bob Surratt, Marian Murciano, and also Tyler Danish is hanging out with us here for a little while. Hi, Tyler. How are you, man? Great. How are you? Doing wonderful. Doing fantastic. Uh, well, uh, meet Bob Surratt. He does our uh, midday show here on uh, WLS. I, I've been reading up on you, young man, and is this right? When you were in high school... And you you went to high school in was it Plant City? Plant City, yes, sir. Where's that, Marianne? You're the you're the Floridian expert here. Do you know Plant City? It's Mar in Florida. Marianne, <laughs> Marianne grew up in Coral Gables. <laughs> okay, uh, Plant City is where the Cincinnati Reds used to be back in uh, I think like the 70s or 80s. So 
Small town, Lakeland, the Tigers, spring training is probably 10 minutes from where right I went to school. So near so. Lakeland, Florida, the whole Near Lakeland, club. probably 10 minutes outside of Lakeland. So, so, you, so you shop at Public Supermarket? I shop at Public Supermarket. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Mary, okay. Marion Bat <laughs> Groceries there. <laughs> oh, yeah. So in high school, at one point, you had a streak of 94 innings without allowing an earned run, right? That's right. My senior year didn't give up one earned run. Okay, I want to ask now, you about on, high school. Is that good? Wait, hold, hold on a second. I need to I need to drill down on this. Now, are you one of those guys that just threw so hard uh, the the kids couldn't even see the ball when they came up there? Um, no. I mean, the district I played in um, that year, we had four first rounders come out of that district. So, and they're all hitters. Um, but no, I think the movement for me was my thing. Um, you know, that's my bread and butter to this day, and I think that's what it was in high school. What do you mean by that? Like, um, I just throw everything, all my fastballs, no four-seamers, all sinkers. So just balls that just run in on people, run away from people. Just, just disappear. Yeah. That they just disappear. Okay, so let me ask you about high school and playing in high school, because we have a daughter who plays basketball in high school and tennis in high school. And it's, I mean, I know that the major leagues, the minor leagues, you know, that's that's pretty competitive. <laughs> but in high school, it is pretty competitive, too. Isn't it a crazy scenario in high school? To be playing, uh, you know, against there's so many kids who are good. Right. That that's what I loved about it though, because every night you face someone that was, you know, you were gonna play in the future as well, either in college or maybe in professional baseball. And you know, every night you go out, and especially in the state of Florida, you know, being a big baseball, they call it a baseball, you know, place where everyone comes out of. And you know, that was, you know, the most fun time I think I've ever had on the baseball field was was in my senior year of high school. Did you know? And and did you know then? Like at what point? Does a kid in high school know this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life? Um, I think I, for, it really hit me. Um, the first professional team I've ever I ever talked to was the Chicago White Sox. Um, it was going into my senior year in the summer. We played a tournament at a college, um, and the scout who drafted me, I met with him for the first time then, and that's when it really hit me. You know, I, I you know I got a chance to you know go professional because you know as a kid you don't you dream about it, but right. it's, you you know it's obviously a hard reality to, to get to. Um, so I was just hoping to go to college, and then, you know, that's when my senior year, going to my senior year, I, you know, I figured I, I had a chance. And how did that make you feel? I mean, that must have been, I can't even imagine being a kid who dreams about this, and then all of a sudden a scout finds you, and then you see this real opportunity. What, what did you think then? As um, a 17, you were probably 17 years old, 17 right? years old. Yeah. Um, it, was a, it was a blessing, but it also was the most amazing time of my life, because it just felt like everything that I've, you know, dreamed about, that I worked for, finally was starting to come together slowly. Obviously, it wasn't, you know, the big dream I had was get the big leagues, which I got to do that, but I also want to stick. Um, but then was, you know, I had three tiers, get to the big leagues, get drafted, and then stay forever. So that was the first one, I guess, in my book that I got to check off, and it was just an amazing time. Was the conversation with uh, with your family, people around you, about either going to college or coming out and choosing the draft? I mean, you got drafted in the second round. So I, w I would imagine because you went that high, uh, was was the conversation tough to either choose school or, or choose the draft? Yeah. Um, you know, me and my mom sat down. There was a lot of talks also with my agent. And, you know, the big thing is we had a number that we believed. Um, we called it life-changing money there you um, go. Yeah. that I couldn't, I couldn't uh, pass up. So, you know, I got I, luckily I got that number and, you know, took the went, took a, went professional. Do, do, you, do you know, I mean, is it the case that there are a lot of kids who don't, don't have a strategy like you obviously did and then they, they take anything? I mean, d did you find that some of the people you knew did that and didn't think it through like you um, did? 
Or you know, everyone's everyone's in a different way. I mean, everyone's got different numbers that they want to do, different amounts of money that they believe they can't pass up. Or, you know, some kids don't like school. I was one of those kids. I'm not, I'm perfectly honest with you. I did not like school. Um, so that was another reason for me. You know, I couldn't, I didn't want to go to school. But if I had to, I would have loved to. Because University of Florida was going to be a great school. And oh, yeah. I it's was, never I too late. Excited. Right. I am going to get a degree. I do <laughs> yeah. I do want to go back and, and get that uh, taken care of eventually. Don't know when, but I do want to get taken care of. Yeah. Well, you got you got work to do coming up in spring. Obviously, this season with the White Sox, there has been some turnover on that roster. I would imagine for a guy like yourself, who, like you said, made your major league debut last year, and congratulations on it. Appreciate it. I know that's a huge thing to check off for a lot of guys after you get drafted. Um, there's competition coming up here when you hit Glendale and I wonder if if this year is a little different for you than years prior because you know they're they're jobs to go get right um that's that's the exciting part I know everyone you know all the young guys that are going to camp are excited because everyone has a good opportunity to you know make that team or or not if you don't make it at least show every all the coaches what you have um so it's going to be exciting I know everyone's excited I know I know a lot of the fans are excited so you know I'm sure everyone's ready to get this going and I know for sure I am have you had a chance to sit down with uh, or, or hear from or talk with Rick Renteria, Ricky Renteria? Yeah. I have. I have a little bit here and there. I know that man's on the run all the time right he is. now. So, uh, well, and, and even when he talks to you, he's on. I mean, he's moving somewhere. He's got always. a purpose to what he's talking to you about. It's he's intense. Yes, he but I love the energy he brings. You know, that's that's um, you know a great sign. You know, for us, you know, young kids with a lot of, with, a, with the manager with some energy is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, wanted to ask you too about uh, uh, working with Don Cooper. I mean, you get up to the bigs and you get to have that conversation. I'm sure Coop works with you at some points during spring, and, and you get that kind of talk from the pitching staff throughout the minors. But knowing that 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 guy knows what he knows uh, about pitchers, I mean, you've seen his work. You know what those guys go on to do. I, was that just a, a an eyes open moment? Yeah, I mean, you try and take in everything he says to you, no matter what it is. You try and take it in because he's been around, you know, so long. A hundred years, right. 150 <laughs> years, something like that, yeah. And so he just has so much knowledge that, you know, you can take and um, just run with and, and learn from. I want to know when Tyler Danish uh, got the word that he was uh, going to the uh, big leagues, I want to know what your reaction was. And then I want to ask you about how it was when you got in your first game. Because I know I'm thinking that certainly when you uh, when you first come to the uh, major league team, uh, it's very intimidating. Was it for you? It was it was intimidating in the locker room because, you know, I went to camp with the team for two years before prior to last year. So, you know, I knew the guys a little bit and they were very welcoming. Um, when I got the call, I was actually watching a Netflix show. We had a day game that day. So I was about to go to sleep, which is crazy, because I think the week before someone was asleep when they got the call up. Wait, were you watching Prison Break? How did you know that? <laughs> because I was going to ask you, uh, uh, because I'd been doing a little research on you, and I was going to ask you uh, about that, because I, I was wondering if you've ever seen Bob's appearance on, on Prison Break. You know, on Prison Break? <laughs> I was a reporter, but if you blinked, you missed me. I might have to go rewatch that then. But yeah, Season three, episode seven, Bob Surratt in the left hand corner. So you're you're watching you're watching T V and Prison then you break. get the call? I do. I do. It was probably eleven thirty at night and manager calls me and says, Hey, what are you doing? And I said, You know, just watching Netflix. He said, What are you watching? I said, Prison break. <laughs> There's a guy on here who says he should win an Academy Award or an Emmy or something. Uh, his portrayal of a TV news anchor is fantastic. Yeah, right. And he so his next comment is, well, you're going to remember this episode for the rest of your life because you're going to Chicago tomorrow. And that was 
I didn't know what to say to him. I said, are you serious? <laughs> and he said, yes. So I called my mom, and, you know, thinking my mom's going to go crazy. And she just says, oh, that's cool. Um, I'll look for some flights. And I'm like, I'm shaking. I'm nervous as can be. And she's calm as can be. And I'm just like, wow. You know? Do you have siblings? No, only child. So your mom was going to move to wherever she was going to find a she place. Was get, she got there. She got there the next day. She flew in. And she stayed for the whole week. So it was. I'm glad that and, she got there. You get to the mound for the first time, and you're in that game, and you're walking out there. Uh, what goes through your mind at that point? How do you, how do you calm down? Um, I tried. But didn't really work. Um, I just remember I got on there, and once it started, I just blacked out, to be perfectly honest with you. I, I remember a little of it, but not a lot. I was just, you know, so nervous. And it was an amazing time and an amazing atmosphere because we had the Royals in town. We, I think we had a sellout that day as well. So it was just, you know, all together a perfect setting. Well, you came up out of double A too. I mean, you got that call in double A. There are, I mean, some people come up out of double A, but that's, it's fairly rare. I imagine you never expected to come from double A. I mean, that was always the goal, um, you know, going into last year, you know, be good enough and get up. Yeah. And, and, you know, Bobby Jinks was in there the next day That's or true. the week before, and he said that he told us the same story. You know, I came up from A, so you're not far away. And a week later, there it is. And, you know, it's definitely you have to remember that they called you up for a reason. You know, they believe you should be there, and you need to believe in yourself that you can be there and pitch well and, and do what you need to do. I've got a ball in my hand here. I, I play catch <laughs> with I, I play catch with our uh, 16-year-old daughter, and I also still, if I can find somebody to play fast pitch with me against a wall, I'll still do it. I'm one of the few guys who still throws a screwball. How come nobody throws a screwball anymore? I have no answer for you there. <laughs> I have no idea, but I think I, maybe I can learn it. The guys will throw that circle change. That's pretty close to, I mean, that action is a little close to it. It is. I have small hands, so I can't do a circle change. I have to fork the ball. I've, I've, so you wedge it in between. I wedge it in yeah. my, my uh, so ring and if, I, if I'm throwing a fastball, are my fingers supposed to, I've never been able to get this straight. Are my fingers supposed to be right on the seams? Some guys do it like that. I have small hands, so I have to be on the seam. Some guys go fingers together. And what pitch do you throw where your uh, fingers are across the seam? That would be a four-seamer. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, now I know. What are the attributes of pitchers, and do you think that you fall under the stereotypical at, you know, attributes of a pitcher? I mean, do you think you're... You're like most pitchers? No. 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 And so am, uh, how are you different from, like, the typical How am pitcher? I different? Well, one, I'm six foot and a half on a good day. That's not too tall for many pitchers. Um, and I also come from a low, you know, three-quarter unorthodox, they call it, you know, uh, angle. So, you know, you look at me and you look at a guy like Carson. We're way, you know, two different people. Um, I'm sure Kopech and Jolito are two different people. As, you know, every pitcher has their own you know, style of how they do things. Um, so everyone's different, but for me, I'm just a little unorthodox with the, with the motion. The deception has to help. I mean, if you can hide something from a hitter, then you've got a leg up on them. Yeah, if you can get any advantage on a hitter as a pitcher, you know, you're going to you take it. Guys who have deception are very hard to pick up. You know, the ball seems to jump on the hitters, they call it, and, get, and they seem like it gets in a little quicker on their hands and, and stuff like that. We had to head to a break here, but I want to ask you right before we let you go: you're healthy, off-season surgery, ready to roll, and and I would imagine for you, the the goal is to break camp with the club if you can, right? I mean, that right. has to be 100% healthy, and uh, you know that's the goal going in is you know make that team, and if not, and if I do not, and go to AAA, be ready whenever the call is needed. Well, I I hope that your third uh, strat part of your strategy happens, and that you stay forever. I appreciate that. That's the goal, and that's what I you know everyone works for. So. 
Tyler, appreciate you stopping by. We will uh, we'll see you a little later and see you in spring. Awesome. Thank Absolutely. you, guys. Thank you, Tyler. Absolutely. Good luck to you. Appreciate it. Uh, Bob Surratt and Marianne Murciano here with us for White Sox Weekly at SoxFest 2017. I'm Connor McKnight. we got a packed list of guests coming up for the rest of the show. Uh, First-round pick Zach Collins is going to join us right about 1 o'clock. Ed and DJ swing by at 1.30. We'll just tell stories with them. Dan Jennings and Zach Birdie, who both throw very, very hard are going to join us as well. 312-591-8900, a little space for phone calls when we get back. you got White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890. To White Sox Weekly here at SoxFest 2017. I'm Connor McKnight, and with me, Bob Surratt and Marianne Murciano of the Bob Surratt and Marianne Murciano Show from 10 until noon on WLS AM 890. It was convenient that you guys were hired to do the same show. <laughs> yeah, yes, it, makes it is. It, it really it makes works it out a little well. easier. And I should point out before we go any further, because people do come up to me and, you know, give me the business about uh, being a Cubs fan. And over the years, they know about uh, my connection with that team. Let me just say, first of all, there are too many people on that bandwagon right now. So uh, It is and, an and, overloaded and, bandwagon. Yes, and also I want to make a little bit of uh, room for some new people. And also... I feel in some ways that a lot of my work uh, for the uh, Northsiders uh, has been accomplished now. And since uh, <laughs> and since since they won it all last year and the Sox haven't won it uh, all since 2005, I thought maybe I'd, I'd help out a little bit on the south side this year. Because Bob takes complete credit mm-hmm. for the Cubs winning the World Series. Yeah. Well, it's good. I mean, as, as the White Sox slowly re- start to rebuild and bring in a bunch of young talent, we need talent on the, on the fringes, too. Guys like you and me. And Don't call is. Bob on the fringe. Oh, no, that's, that's what we need. That's exactly right. I'm on the fringe. That's exactly how and, we're going to help build and this. I, and I've out. said this uh, many times over the years on TV and radio uh, that uh, it, it's fun to be in a city where you, you have uh, different ballparks, you have uh, the National League, the American League, and uh, we always have enjoyed taking the family out to uh, – uh, whatever it's called, Comiskey Park, the cell. Uh, Guaranteed rate. Thank now. you. Yep. Uh, and they do a great job, really, especially, I especially always love those fireworks nights, and the food is always Saturday great nights. out there. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so it's just fun to, and I'm one of those guys uh, who can travel around the country and go to a Major League Baseball game anywhere and enjoy it, which I think, I don't know that the NFL, the NBA, the NHL has that kind of appeal, does it's, it? It's not the same drug. It, I don't, it's an everyday thing that Baseball is, you know, it's both a grind and kind of this blessing that it's always there for you. And players talk about this a lot, too. And I think it's, you know, whether it's Tyler or whether it's Harold Baines, you know, years before when he was playing, there's tomorrow's game's coming regardless of what you did yesterday. And there's this, it it, it can feel, especially when you're interviewing players or when you're talking to them, you know, it it can feel like it's rote or or like Mm -hmm. some of the comments are a little bit cliche. But how, how would you operate if you didn't have that in your mind, that each next day was a brand new one, how well, would you kind of possibly like, deal with it? It's failure? like us when we do shows. I mean, you can't, like, you know, overthink what you did no. or said yesterday because uh, it's like yeah, there's a new one tomorrow. Yeah, right? and many yeah. times after a TV or radio broadcast, I've had to have rotator cuff surgery. <laughs> so there is yeah, that. Yeah, exactly like but that. We, and you know what? I still turn into a 12-year-old kid uh, whenever I'm around Major League Baseball players, whether it's uh, Sox Fest or any other fest. And, and yesterday... Uh, I was uh, I was thrilled to not only meet Carlton Fisk and have a chance to talk to him for the first time, but then it turns out he watched us uh, on TV when he was here, and uh, I, I feel like a kid uh, around him. In fact, we, we took a picture. We've got it posted on uh, uh, Facebook.com slash Surratt and Mercy 
Mariano. Is that the site, Mariano? <laughs> is that it? That is that the right? site, Bob. <laughs> so the, and the picture, I <laughs> the swear, Robin Marciano. the guy looks like, imagine him without his glasses and a little younger. I say he looks like Larry Lujak. Take a look and let me know what you think. Well, and, and also it was very funny when you, um, when you told him that. Oh, because right. what was his reaction, Bob? He said, oh, yeah, animal stories. <laughs> 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 That's fantastic. It's it's funny to see, like especially to to talk to some of the guys who you grew up watching, whether you know whether you're my age or whatever age you are, and and they kind of have that connection, you know, to you guys since you've been you, you've been part of this town in, in such a real way, and and really whether it's whether it's baseball or not, it, you know, that exists in a daily basis right. the same you, way. You don't think that that's the case, but because you have them on a uh, on a plateau. You really do. At least, yeah. at least uh, many of us do. Right, but but you then you go back and, and what I was thinking about Carlton Fisk yesterday when he said that was that okay this guy he didn't just play baseball he got up in the morning and he made breakfast and then he did got some dressed. squats right he did he was like a normal guy you know when he wasn't on the field yeah. but we do we do tend to build. These people up and think, oh, you know, like this. Especially us boys. God. Well, Fisk, yeah. we, we me, boys. I mean, he hit one of the most iconic home runs in Major League history. I mean, and, and just, I, I can't see him without thinking, and yeah, it's with the Red Sox and everything, but I can't yeah. see him without uh, watching him waving the ball and hoping and yeah. praying that it stays. Uh, I, I just, exactly. And, and that's, I mean, that's the kind of stuff where I, I can go little kid on sure. it too. Hey, I mean, it's, it's a Hall really of Famer. Easy. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. Connor, were you always a baseball fan? Yeah. Or what? Always, what, always like, grown up. I was a huge baseball fan. And I, I was just, I don't know why, but it just kind of spoke to me more than other sports. Uh, and, it, and really, in a, in a lot of ways, like, you know, Tyler making the big leagues. I mean, this was, you know, kind of my dream, you know, doing and, baseball. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. So did you always know that you were going to work in sports? I always knew gonna... that I wasn't going to be a player because I was terrible. I could <laughs> not hit a breaking ball to save my life. So that, it, it kind of went away quickly. So you're yeah. tall. You're tall. You should have been on the mound. Well, I pitched a little bit, and, and I got I got turned around a lot, too. You know, I mean, I, I got really used to the motion where you throw and then look up in the air as the ball <laughs> sails over the wall. I got really used to that. Uh-huh. Had a lot of conversation. Yeah, a lot of company. But, but yeah, you department. did know that you wanted to go into broadcasting. I, I wanted to be I wanted to be a, a writer first. Coming out of college, I was I was a writer, an English major at, at Wisconsin, and and I thought I could write. Um, but I graduated in 2007, and then in 2008, everyone's money went away, so yeah. no one was hiring <laughs> anybody for anything. So I I just kind of I lucked into a gig at the at the at another shop, I guess we can say, yeah. and, and enjoyed my time there. Immensely. We we worked with you yeah. over there at uh, you're talking about WGN. Uh, the shop before that. Oh, uh, before there's that. been there've been many shops. Okay. I've been, I've been right. many shops. I wouldn't know about that. Oh yeah, we yeah. <laughs> Completely unfamiliar. <laughs> well, thank God that we're in a town that has as many shops as we do and as many ball clubs as we do too. Oh yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, ball players and ball clubs, Zach Collins is going to join us here in just a couple of minutes. We got the one o'clock news on the way, and then. Uh, first round pick of the White Sox in the 2016 draft, Zach Collins is going to hang out. I got a chance to see Zach play in the Arizona Fall League just a couple of months ago. We'll talk with Zach about that and what he learned about sticking behind the plate for the White Sox coming up. 312-591-8900. A little time for phone calls sprinkled in and out. Uh, but the news is next here on White Sox Weekly. you got WLS AM 890. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here at SoxFest 2017. I'm Connor McKnight, and with me, Bob Surratt and Marianne Murciano. We are joined by first-round pick of the Chicago White Sox, a man who did a little catching in the Arizona Fall League and throughout the minors, played his college ball in Florida. Zach Collins is with us here this afternoon. Hi, Zach. How you doing? Doing well. Hi, doing Zach. Well. 
Hello. Uh, meet Bob and Marianne. They're new on our station, but uh, not new to Chicago at all. Well known around these parts. And I, I would imagine uh, for you being here at SoxFest, your first SoxFest, you are pretty well known by some fans too, being as highly drafted as you were. Yeah, it seems like a lot of people know me more than I thought. Yeah, um, that's okay. But, uh, you can admit to it. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, it's been it's been a lot of fun out here this weekend and getting to see a lot of new faces and, and meet a lot of new people has been great. Did you play for the University of Miami? Yes, I did. Yeah. What was that like uh, for you living in Miami? I'm from Miami. I really? mean, I, I grew up in Miami. Yeah, I mean, that was a dream come true for me. I grew up going to all the games and stuff and watching all those guys like Yonder Alonso and Yasmani. They grew up and, and uh, are now in the big leagues, and I kind of wanted to follow that same path and um it was a dream come true playing there did you uh, get used to the heat ever uh the, uh, well, the humidity i mean <laughs> i'm from there so i guess i was kind of used to it as much as you possibly could be but um can't walk outside without sweating I where guess. did you grow up fort lauderdale fort lauderdale pembroke pines yeah pembroke pines yeah, yeah. i know the, the area very well yeah yeah i lived there my whole life so so the guys from there with all the humidity, knows what he's getting into, and chooses to catch and wear all that gear while you're playing baseball. Yeah. That's, I mean, you're wearing it. Come on. <laughs> how, did, how, did, how did you get convinced That's, to do that? Because you, you pitched, you played infield positions, yeah. and then uh, catching came a bit late, didn't it? Right. I, I grew up playing shortstop and third base and pitching also. Kind of did the whole thing. But um, I don't know. It just hit me at, like, 13. I just really wanted to catch. and. Um, I guess I kind of got bored just, like, playing with the dirt at third and short. And, um, <laughs> yeah, you're definitely in the game a lot more yeah, when right. you're yeah. catching, aren't you? And yeah. then, um, and then you, you uh, I mean, you knew that you would have to eventually, like, in your life, you would have to do a lot of squats. Yeah, right? <laughs> for sure. A lot of body weight squats. <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, you were okay with that? Yeah. I'm, I hate doing squats. <laughs> it, get, it, it gets easy as you go. It, it does. How are your knees? They're perfect. So do you put the weight? On your heels more so that you don't mess up your knees when you're doing that? I mean, do you have time to think? Um, or are you really. just trained? Yeah. I'm, Is it like muscle my memory? First, my first year so. catching was rough. My knees were, like, absolutely killing me. And I was like, I don't know if I could do this. But I guess after that first year, you start getting used to it. And, like, ever since, my knees haven't hurt, like, at all, ever. And what is the antidote to, to doing that? You know, like, like what's the opposite? Yeah. Of, like, what do you do to relieve the stress on the knees. Well, there's a lot of new technology now, as you probably know, but um, before, just Advil massage. <laughs> <laughs> and now? Um, now they have these new machines called Norma Tech machines where you, like, put your legs up, and they look like space boots that, like, go all the way up to your hips, and they, like, I guess, rotate the blood in there and stuff like that. It feels amazing. You're but kidding it's, me. Really? It's pretty much just a massage. I want one of those. What do, every, get, what do you get those? They're, yeah. they're in Sky Mall magazine, I think. You yeah, have to get them up there. <laughs> Airplanes ride somewhere. Does everybody now catch uh, one-handed with one hand, you know, behind the back or something like that? Yeah. To protect your fingers? I mean, some, some guys do it a little differently, but um, for the most part, yeah, you kind of keep that one hand behind the back. I learned that the hard way in college when I got smoked in my hand that wasn't wearing anything. But I think Randy Hundley may have been the first guy to do that when he was with the Cubs uh, in, in I the remember 60s. doing that, yeah. And then everybody just followed. Yeah. It's a, it's a little bit different when there's someone on base because you kind of want your hand close to the glove. Someone steals or whatever, but um, yeah, for the most part, you have it behind your or, back. Or if you've got a breaking ball and you know you have to go get it, I mean, you what you probably you're throwing both hands out there yeah. caving your chest to keep it in front of you, too. So yeah, for sure. You're always in harm's way. There's nothing you can do to really stop yeah. yourself from getting pegged with a, with a baseball. Yeah, the, I mean, some of the worst hits that I've ever had are just like 
Like, not even balls in the dirt where you have to block or anything. It's just, like, foul tips off the mask. Or like, those are the worst. Um, you're you're really young. You're uh, Are you 21 years old? Yep. Yeah, 21. you're 21 years old. Wow. That's just amazing because you're, like, you know, in your, in your uh, baseball gear, you know, you're, you're like a man. You're not a child. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, I have how, baseball mitts older than <laughs> so, 21. Uh, how, as a 21-year-old, how what does that feel like to, like, suddenly be thrown into this, you know, situation with all these you know really experienced people and how do you like how do you say hey listen to me or whatever yeah. you know what i mean like how do you do it uh it's tough especially <laughs> i guess once i start playing on the big league squad when there's guys that are 38 years old playing with me and i'm however young i am but um it's tough but i think university of miami helped me out a lot with um the whole media side of things and, and i guess learning how to mature really 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 fast and um i guess it, it just has to become like one team where everyone trusts everyone and and that's what we do if, if i'm pitching if i'm a veteran pitcher and you're catching me rookie and you're coming out to the mound to talk to me now i i'm thinking hey junior go back behind the plate yeah. i'll handle this so uh, how much of a challenge is that uh, it's a huge challenge, but you'd be surprised sometimes when I go out there, the pitcher really says, hey, junior, go back to the... Line. They do? Really? <laughs> yeah, and I say, hey, senior, listen to me, what I have to say. Man. For you, yeah. Um, no, but... Because uh, you're really the captain when you're out there yeah. catching, aren't you? Yeah, and I mean, for the most part, you got to learn how to deal with, with whoever's on the mound. Some guys are crazier than others, and um, obviously, if it's a veteran guy, like, if I'm going out there and Quintana's on the mound, then I'm not going to tell him what to do because he obviously knows what he's doing. So, so will he uh, understand you? Yeah, yeah, he'll understand me. I know how to speak a little Spanish. So, good for you. Yeah. You got to be a little bit of a psychologist too, as as a catcher. Whether it's in between innings or, or during one, yeah. you might have to talk to your guy and get whether it's on the same page or or leave the page that you were on, try and do something different. Yeah, um, the biggest thing is kind of knowing what your game plan is going to be going on with with the next hitters coming up and. Obviously, what's the situation of the game and stuff like that. Okay, so this is a question I've always wanted to ask a, a catcher. Um, do you ever just make up your own signs? What? Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> what do you mean? Why would he do that? No, you know, like like to signal what, you know, like what kind of a pitch. Um, um, like, do you... Like throw down fakes? Like to, like yeah, to fake like out of the team? Like if you know somebody's trying to take one off you? Like No. No, I mean, like, do you make it up, or, or is there, like, do you come up with, like, a certain way to signal? Yeah, we come up with a certain way, or else the be- pitcher would be confused, and then I would get probably hit in the face. But is it, I mean, pitch. like, but do you do it exactly the same way that the other catcher would do it? I mean, oh, or do you no. have, like, your own language? Yeah, we pretty much have our own. Uh, it all varies between uh, team to team, so um, we'll get together with our pitching staff and, and all the coaches and stuff and come up with that. Have you ever been uh, out on the mound in a conference and uh, what you're talking about has nothing to do with baseball? Oh, plenty of times. <laughs> I want to hear about that. Yeah, I mean... I, I want to hear I want to hear about uh, hey, uh, did you check out the uh, sixth row behind third base? Or yeah. So where are we going tonight anyway? Any, anything I can't along tell you that because my girlfriend's here. But, oh. Uh, right. <laughs> we know you never were in that kind of a conversation. No, the other guys say yeah. but, uh, but you remember specifically any conversations that were particularly wacky and had nothing to do with the game situation? Um, yeah, I do. Um, There's one time where I went out there and just kind of said, hey, did you watch that episode of SpongeBob yesterday? And, uh, <laughs> Of course, I mean, it's just—it's just 
it has nothing to do with the game, but it's pretty much just to relax the pitcher and right. just kind of get him to to know that, that we're just out here having fun and, and uh, doing his thing. I'm still wondering about, okay, the question that I really meant to ask about the signals, okay, is like, all right, because it happens so fast. Yeah. So if the pitcher, is like, blinks or something and misses it, like, you know, I, sometimes I think, do it again. Like, yeah. Connor, you, do you understand you why I don't do like to take Marianne to baseball games? <laughs> nothing but again. these questions constantly during the game. I want to know. Like, I don't want to watch on TV with me when explain. the game is on. <laughs> I, you know, did you ever try to explain? Uh, did you ever try to explain to your girlfriend maybe uh, uh, some of the intricacies of baseball, why certain things happen, and then you start explaining it, and you realize, well, this doesn't make any sense. I can't explain not this. All, not at all. It's a, it, you know, the answer is sometimes is, well, they've always done it that way. They've always because running to third first would be weird. I don't know what to tell exactly. you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> don't go left. I yeah. don't do that. Uh, Zach, I wanted to ask you too. Uh, we got a couple of minutes left here before we get you out of here and on your way and on your day. But uh, I, I got a chance to hang out with you in the Arizona Fall League. Came down and, and watched a little bit, um, and, and I wanted to ask how the fall league was for you i know you were pretty jacked about going down there it's it's a hotbed of talent you work with a lot of pitchers who have either seen big league time or are about to yeah. and and i would imagine as a young catcher coming up through through the minor leagues as you did last year there was a lot of learning that i imagine had to be done in the fall league for you yeah for sure i kind of went into it knowing that i wasn't going to get a lot of playing time and um, i was perfect with that i mean the white Sox told me that before i went there and, yeah um I learned a ton when I was there. I think it was probably the, the best decision I've made um, since I've been playing professional ball was to go there and just catch all the bullpens and, and learn a lot from the veteran catchers that were there. And um, I mean, I learned a ton. I was just pretty much the, the bullpen catcher and got to play once a week. But um, I guess just trying to make that transition into uh, playing with the older guys and stuff like that, and it went well. I know you know catchers have to marinate in the minor leagues for a little bit longer than other positions, or at least typically they do. You don't see guys like I know Zunino with the Seattle Mariners came up pretty quick, but that's that's kind of the exception to the rule. Is that something that that you've got to keep in your head a little bit, or or do you throw that out the window and say I'm gonna get there on my own when I get there? Um, I'm not really too worried about making it to the big leagues like as soon as possible. I mean, okay. this whole White Sox uh, rebuild thing is is going to be big for us, and I think. Whether it's tomorrow or in 10 years, I think we're going to get a championship here, and um, it's definitely going to be a lot of fun. And I'm just kind of learning as much as I can now to, to for when I get to the big leagues, I, I can be ready and, and stay there. I'm not trying to go back up and down and yeah. all that kind of stuff. So whether it's this year or the, the following year, when it, whenever it is, I'll be ready. So. Zach, best of luck. Really appreciate you stopping by. Have a great spring, and we will uh, we'll talk to you in a little while. Okay, thanks. Thanks, Zach. Zach. It's and, great to meet and you. And Zach, uh, Marianne wants you to explain the double switch to her during the break. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. Yeah. We wish you lots of luck. Thank you. Right, Zach Collins, first-round pick of the White Sox, joining us here on White Sox Weekly. We've got a quick break, and we'll hang out with Bob and Marianne just a little bit. Brendan Greeley is going to join us, too. Ed and DJ are coming by just to tell stories for about an hour and a half a little later on. I'm Connor McKnight. you got White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890. Welcome back to a very special edition of White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. I'm Connor McKnight, and we are hanging out with the stars of the station throughout the afternoon. Bob Surratt and Marianne Murciano here with us. We're also hanging out with the stars of the White Sox, and a big thanks to them for, uh, for getting us all these awesome guests throughout the course of SoxFest. We've had... 
uh, Rick Renteria. We've had Todd Steverson yesterday. Nate Jones was hanging out with us. Eric Soderholm of the Southside Hitmen. Tim Anderson, Tyler Saladino, Harold Baines, Tyler Danish, Zach Collins. Coming up at 1.30, Ed Farmer and Darren Jackson are going to hang out. Dan Jennings and Zach Birdie. So a couple of guys who throw real hard. And then Sunday we've got a, a whole lineup full of stars as well. But, guys, it's been fun hanging out and uh, and really cool. I'm, I'm glad you guys were able to make your first Sox Fest. I know. Hmm, no, I think uh, maybe the microphone is, uh, I don't know. Bob, it's it's like the city council uh, under Mayor uh, Richard M. Daly. When uh, they've had enough, they just turn your microphone off, Marianne. That's how it works. <laughs> maybe the battery died. We'll get you a new one. We'll go to Brown. We'll go to the Brown microphone. Actually, uh, uh, truth be told, uh, I have uh, sneaked into uh, a Sox Fest or two over really? the years. You know, I mean, people do... You know, sort of give me the business about being a Cubs fan. But I, I do love baseball, as we discussed, and I've always loved going to both parks. And I think, as we mentioned on our on our midday show yesterday on the station, I think it's different when you get older. I, I remember being a kid growing up on the north side in Albany Park, and, and I'm old enough to remember 1959, and the Sox won, and uh, I had to go into hiding as a Cubs fan in the neighborhood at that time. But sure. and then you grow up, and you, you kind of appreciate both teams, uh, and you should anyway, or else something's wrong with your life. I have a question for, for Connor, though, because uh, in the little time that Bob and I have been here today, uh, you know, we've talked to, you know, a few of the players, a couple of really, really young guys. Yeah. And now you're going to be going to Arizona, and mm -hmm. you're going to be watching these these kids playing. Right. And um, like, tell me about, like, is there – I know what they're all saying the right thing. Well, if I don't make it, that's fine. There's next year, you know, and whatever. But – is there a lot of heartbreak that goes on? I, I think for a lot of those kids, um, especially with a roster that the White Sox have now, like there is an expectation that you have to have. Like they just, you, you get to this level and you're just naturally competitive. You can't be a major league baseball player or a guy on the cusp like Tyler Danish or like Zach Collins and not have this almost insane competitive streak in you, right? I mean, sure. it's, you've almost been weeded out. So no matter what they're saying here now, I mean, there is, if they don't make it up, it's going to be heartbreaking. I think, you know, there are different expectations for some guys, but, you know, for, for some of the younger guys. But at some point, having Ricky tell you that, you know, you're going down to the AAA camp and you're not going to be one of the 25 that breaks camp, yeah, that's, yeah, it can be, I wouldn't say crushing, but it'll be a disappointment for some guys. But I, I think a lot of them understand and this is how baseball always works, you don't finish the season with the same 25 as you started. You know, guys come up, guys get hurt, guys get sick, guys get traded, and at some point you can be a contributor to a good ball club, and, and I think that's kind of always in the back of your mind as you kind of, whether you're sent down or whether you're, you know, traded or moved on to a different team, all that, that, that same kind of drive and desire never goes away for these guys. Marianne, there's no crying in baseball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know there isn't. But I, still my heart goes out to them because they're, I mean, they're they're young and they're, they don't have the experience that in life that they, they can't because when you're in your 20s, yeah. you know, you still, you know, you, you, you feel things in a different way than when life has beat you up in your 40. <laughs> and we're going to see some of that. We're going to see some of that beaten up, I think, in spring training, so to speak. There are guys, there's a lot of competition in some roster spots for the White Sox. And I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to it because I've seen spring trainings before where you know, maybe there's four guys battling it out for a center field spot like the White Sox might have. And that that gets to be good competition, and it breeds better ball players down the line. I think a lot of those guys could benefit from a spring like they may have. Sure. 
Uh, now, uh, Marianne, the uh, the interview that you conducted mostly in Spanish uh, yesterday. <laughs> but uh, also in English. But also in English, yeah. Are we going to eventually see that somewhere? Well, there's going to be – there's two versions of it. One is the one that I think is already on WLS.com. WLSAM.com, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's posted there already. It's just like the raw video. And then you and I, Bob, shot a video of – us attending this, and then we also including that interview and uh, you know a little extra material, you know, yeah, shall we say material. the bonus material. The bonus material. I want to mention that, too for for those just tuning in to uh, White Sox Weekly, the the video is with Jose Abreu and Yoan Mancata. Yeah, so, you I know, know. Probably worth your time to go head over to the website. And watch I know it, it is. It's, it's really awesome. cool. It's uh, it's awesome. And then the version that we're that Bob and I are doing with the bonus material that is going to be appearing on our YouTube page susos fork s u s o s f o r k .com and we'll also post it on our Facebook page Serrat and Murciano so you can find that there too we don't worry we will be talking about it ad nauseum on our show weekdays on WLSAM from 10 to 12 Yes, we will in the daytime. Guys, thanks for stopping by. Hey, really Connor. appreciate it. Always Great good to be with you. Sox Fest, and Thank we will you, see you. Uh, on Monday. Connor, uh, I have to say you do such a great job. Oh, I'm so happy that we're working with you. Thanks. I'm looking forward to it, too. It's going to be a great season uh, for the White Sox. should be a fun one. We can't wait to get started. Uh, coming up, we got the 130 News. Brent Greeley, the Steve Dahl Show, is going to stop by, and plenty of White Sox Fest going on here at Sox Fest 2017. WLS, AME 90. Welcome back to a special edition of White Sox Weekly here at Sox Fest down at the Hilton on Michigan Avenue. And we have uh, we've made the line change. We've made the shift change, so to speak. Mm -hmm. I'm still Connor McKnight. I haven't changed at all. But Brennan Greeley of the Steve Dahl Show is with us. Hi, Brennan. Good to have you. Hey, great to be here, Connor. Absolutely. And, uh, representing the Steve Dahl Show. We, yeah, Steve, Steve, Steve couldn't be here. No. Uh, you got to represent. Yeah. The stars so. of the station coming through and the uh, the stars of the White Sox broadcast Coming through as well, Darren Jackson and Ed Farmer joining us. Uh, Ed's on his way up. DJ's here. Hi, DJ. Well, hello, Connor. Yeah, no, uh, Ed will make it here. It's in a, yeah. at his convenience. Yeah. yeah. He's so here a, now. Get, he a, get a few time. words in edgewise while you can. He was busy. He was over there definitely getting mobbed I wasn't, by I was the fans. Flesh. We were having lunch. What did you guys have? Uh, what did you have, the manicotti? Because I had the chicken ala sashiro. That sounds really good. I'm very hungry. Delicious. I would have brought some, but he bit me. He had my blood. Fletch bit you? Yeah, by grabbing for the food. He bit my hand. Sure, that'll happen. Well, yeah, you'll have that. Uh, how has Sox Best been for you guys? I'm sure uh, questions from the fans and conversations about the White Sox new direction have been uh, have been plentiful. Well, absolutely. Um, the enthusiasm is there for the fans that are here, that is for sure. Uh, the number one thing that everybody's excited about is obviously the influx of the young talent that's yeah. here. Yeah. So um, as enthusiastic as the fans are, we are as well because we love getting the opportunity to see unproven talent get here to this level, and we get to watch and see what they're going to do. There's the key. See how successful they will be. The potential's there. Now let's see if they live up to it. Uh, I was just talking with uh, Ed. I remember talking with you yesterday just uh, at the, the, the sit-around here with the media and some of the new players. I didn't realize that Lucas Giolito was built like a tri I mean, he's a massive, massive dude. And I, I know you scouted him a little bit, too. I did. I saw him in high school. He had that body in high school. He didn't? He did. Oh, he did. Yeah, yeah. he was like that. It's a huge, huge Through 101 guy. miles an hour. Unbelievable. And he had a slider that was uh, a 50 as average major league slider. He was thrown into 65. Hmm. 
So the kids at Gora High School in Southern California, they didn't really have a good time uh, with Lucas. I can imagine. Yeah, they you know hit him. So when you when you look at some of these young guys that are that are coming up and coming in, you know things like the the hitters mini camp that they had a couple of weeks ago with some of the young talent. I I, I would imagine that you can't as as a young player being in those shoes, you want to press to to impress, but doing too much, I would imagine in that spring is going to come back to haunt you at some point. Well, you know, there's an importance to impress, yes, but they by now already know how to control those emotions. They've been playing professionally through the minor leagues, some to the big leagues already. Yeah. Uh, they did it as kids, controlling their emotions uh, when their families were out there watching them and friends, scouts. You know how to control all that. The only difference is when you get here to spring training and you want to impress is you've got to learn how to keep your composure and get the job done. There's the key. Um as long as you've had the right amount of repetitions in the minor leagues and the right amount of pitches that you've thrown, yeah. you get to the big leagues and you're looking at the competition and saying you've got no chance. And you take that attitude and you'll be fine. How much is skill? How much of spring training can be skill building, like learning? Or, or is it just kind of, you know, can, can you really learn in spring if you're a guy who's, you know, going to be in and out of that, that major league camp? Uh, it depends. I mean, it, you, uh, it depends on how old he is. Uh, for Darren and me, well, we went from high school. Yeah. Um, I was in the big leagues the next year at 18. So wow. it was just like I was pitching against high school kids. Mm-hmm. But they happened to be big league players. So I, I never got that uh, that wham, these guys are big league players. It was uh, it was like, hey, these guys are the same guys that faced at Brother Rice or Leo High School or Mount Carmel. But scouting-wise, I look at it a lot differently. I look at it, this guy we're going to put in this position to do this, that, and this. We're going to bring him along. Uh, I told you before, the number one pick that I had in the country when I was with the Orioles yeah. was Ben McDonald. We never gave him a chance to be a professional. If it was going to rain in Frederick or Hagerstown, very close in the state of Maryland, that's where our A-ball teams were. Frederick was a little IRA. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it was going to rain there, we'd move him to Bowie. Mm. So he never missed a start. Oh. That, for me, is something you need to learn in minor leagues certainly how to play. You need also to face adversity. Yeah, so it's not going to be that yeah. easy where... You, you got to have the kids sit around and say, I wonder what's going to happen. I haven't played four or five days, or rain has taken my start away from me. Uh-huh. I think that's invaluable training in the minor leagues as well. They have the talent, or they wouldn't be signed. Sure. I always wondered when a top prospect gets traded from one organization to another, even if it's for a big name like Chris Sale or, or Eaton, is there some sort of feeling like, is there some sort of, like bad feeling about that towards the organization that traded you and then something extra to prove like all right you gave up on me so i'm going to show you or or when you're that good of a player it doesn't really matter well it really comes down to your experience with the team you were playing for and how you left mm-hmm. if you left on good terms no you don't feel that when i get back against these guys i'll show you uh if it was something mutual which i was traded on several occasions uh-huh. it was more like i need to get out of here i requested and it, you you don't have any hard feelings but if it, you were right in the middle of a campaign where you're excited about being there, and all of a sudden you wake up, you go, wait a minute, I've been traded? Yeah, you might want to prove something, though. So it really depends on the circumstances. Mm-hmm. You guys had a chance to uh, to speak with, I'm sure you have, Ricky Renteria, new manager of the White Sox. I had a chance to, to talk with him a couple of days ago. And just I, I was really impressed with, and maybe I didn't realize it, but maybe the, the guy's intense. Yeah. The guy is intense and, and absolutely focused on, on baseball 100% of the time. He was my third baseman the last year I played. Really? Yeah. Oh. 
Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. We were, so you knew the guy. We're, I still know him. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> so we were in Hawaii good. together. That was a tough place to play. I figured I'm going out. This is my last year playing. I'm going to play in Honolulu. And then we're going to make a road trip of every 12 days to the mainland. That's tough. You know, I got tired of eating fresh pineapple. Sure. And yeah. it, was, uh, it was a curse. But, yeah, Renteria was the third baseman. And his wife, Eileen, friends of mine. Yeah, he's a great guy. Did you pick him out as a as a potential manager then? I mean, do you, can you? Yeah, see there that were a couple guys on that team in Hawaii. Uh, Tom Sand was the manager, and there were a couple guys on that team. One of them is a bench coach for the San Francisco Giants. He'll manage someday in the big leagues also. That's Ron Wotus. But Renteria, yeah, it was like having a manager on the field. Yeah. Just because of his his, Gee, smarts, his, his knowledge of what was going on. What, yeah. yeah. Speaking of Hawaii, I know Ed, you're. Tight friends with Steve Dahl, and yeah. I'm here representing. His son now works Steve for the White Sox. Yeah, exactly. Just Matt, Matt's out yeah. here, but uh, Steve couldn't be here today because he had uh, he had a bunion bunionectomy. He had what? A bun- <laughs> bungee? A, bu- a bunion a bunionectomy. So yeah, you know he, he wanted good. to be here to, yeah, to chat sure with you. He's probably at home on a chase lounge. Channel, <laughs> yeah, no, bring me some was... lunch. I did an hour ago. Okay, Steve. <laughs> no, he's uh, he was bummed he couldn't be here to hang out with you, but uh, you know. That's it. Uh, and foot problems. He was bumped. Wait till I call him. <laughs> foot, foot problems. You know, the, those are that's the yeah. That's the problem. basis of your. <laughs> you can't be missing Sox Fest with foot problems. I mean, this well, is, it's it much is, more. If important. it was football, I could understand it because yeah. foot problems. Hey, can you guys stay on topic, please? No. What are you guys no, doing no, over there? No, no, he can't do it. It's not topic. What um, what what about a major league manager or what about Rick? Makes him different from other major league managers. Why? Why was he, in, in your opinion, since you know him as well as you do, Ed? Uh, why was he the right pick for this club at this time? Uh, well, his knowledge of the game, number one, yeah. that outweighs everything. Also, we have an influx of Latin American players and Cuban players. I've been to Dominican, I've been to Puerto Rico, been to Mexico, been to Venezuela. When I go to their country, they're more than generous with me. Mm-hmm. It gives them an edge now. They can go and talk in their native tongue with Rich Renteria, where they may be uh, sometimes when you're young and you come to the big leagues, for all of us, we're a little timid about approaching the manager. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, the manager starts speaking your native tongue. That can relax uh, some young kids. Sure. Especially uh, the kid we got from the Boston Red Sox. Yohan uh, Mercado. Yeah. yeah. This guy's, I've read the reports on him from, from a few people, not necessarily with our organization. They're glowing. Yeah. No, yeah. kid's got a lot of power. Yeah. And it sounds like, I mean, with the White Sox, as you, as you look at a depth chart now, there's reps at second base to be had. And I, and I think a lot of White Sox fans here at, at Sox Fest and who have called the show and whatnot are really wondering whether or not he can break camp with the club and kind of, you know, be that guy throughout the season. Well, the truth is this. Right now, I think the White Sox can hold auditions in spring training. And if you deserve to be here, we see that uh, Rick Hahn and the organization will make moves. Yeah to open a spot for a potential player at the big league, big league level. Now, that doesn't mean that Mankata or others are going to be on the big league roster opening day. They go down and play well. They make some trades. You're in the big leagues. The whole key is for any young player to always think about the fact that you're going to be here. Just be ready yeah. to get here. Don't don't get upset if all of a sudden you don't break camp. You get a bad attitude, a chip on your shoulder. That doesn't help because some guys get set back by that. And I think hopefully we'll get to see these guys, if not at the very start of the season, as soon as possible. Uh, remember this, uh, when you look at our staff, when we look at the position players, look at some of the pitching that's been acquired as well. Yeah. I know one thing, Darren and I talked about this. We're not going to back down from anybody as far as size goes with the pitching staff. They're huge. This is a group of giant guys yeah. and uh, with good arms. Now we want to see, uh, as Darren and I both will tell you, 
it looks great right now. We want to see how they perform when we get to spring training, and then we want to see how that transcends to the regular season. The majority of them won't break camp with this team. They just won't. But then again, Tim Anderson didn't break camp with us either last year. Mm-hmm. He's one of the best shortstops as far as range goes yeah. in the big leagues right now. And he's a guy who made it. Darren, Darren will talk about this. He said, I want to see if he, and we both did, want to see if he's going to make an adjustment at home plate. He started doing that, didn't he? Well, one thing that you always had the question with Tim Anderson was, is he going to be able to handle the position of shortstop at the big league level? He always hit well. You know, that's great. But when you transition to the big leagues and you play every day at this level under the microscope, can you handle the pressure? Can you handle making the plays? He handled the plays up here with no problems. To me, it was very impressive short. And hitting? Yeah, let's see if we can handle this pitching every day. I couldn't believe the adjustments made, as Ed was mentioning. The adjustments he made to hit the ball the other direction if yeah. you had to or pull the ball. He's an impressive young man. I think we've got a stack of impressive young talent ready to come up right behind him. One of the big things for me was uh, Jimmy Rollins came over, great guy. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the range. And Darren and I would talk about the range of the shortstop. All of a sudden, Anderson comes to the big leagues, and those holes that were a little larger, they closed up. Sure. He threw a couple guys out from short left field on one hop to first base with an accurate throwing arm as he was going towards the north end of the ballpark. That's hard to do. That's Pitcher's talent. Best friend. Yeah. That's yeah. not that that was not taught to him. Mm-hmm. That's something he knows how to do. Now you refine that. I mean, he's got star qualities written all over him as far as I'm concerned. Fellas, appreciate you stopping by. We got Dan Jennings coming up out of the bullpen in just a couple of minutes. Uh, DJ, Ed, thanks for stopping by. Talk to him and, about uh, his pace where he looks like he's going to step off the pitching rubber, then he pitches. You got the hesitation? Yeah, yeah. I like it. I like it. Brandon, too. Thanks, Connor, guys. Thank, thank you, guys. Fellas, See you on Sunday, April 3rd. Sounds right? like a plan. Sox and Tigers. I'm looking forward to it. U.S. Cellular, uh, no longer U.S. No. Cellular Field. Guaranteed rate. we got to get that right. I expect no. to make that mistake no. at least oh, a dozen please. times throughout the season. Please. I, I'm I've got to get a loan from Guaranteed Rate Field in order to make it right. <laughs> Put it up in the broadcast booth. Thanks, fellas, for stopping by. We're going to take a quick break and then talk to Dan Jennings on the other side. You've got WLS AM 890. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here at SoxFest 2017. I'm Connor McKnight. Hanging out with you throughout the course of the afternoon. We've got the stars of the station hanging out with us as well. Brendan Greeley. Great to be here, Connor. Hello, Brendan. How are you? We just uh, doing good. Doing talk good. Talk to Ed. And, I, whenever he talks, Dan Jennings here with us out of the White Sox bullpen, hanging out as well. Hi, Dan. How you doing, guys? Whenever whenever Brendan talks, he, he does. He's got the whole deep voice thing, right? uh-huh. like the, the actual radio pipes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think we did the the game show last year. Was that you? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, right, you right. lost it for our team. Thanks a lot. <laughs> hey, my bad. My what bad. what game show did you guys do that, that he? That lost? was you, right? That was. Uh, we're the game show at, at wait, wait. It was like the Family Feud. Was that you? Family Feud. That wasn't you. No, maybe I a thought different. it was. You know, in like the it. radio, in the radio industry, you find a lot of guys like me that I could have sworn it was you and somebody else. Wait, but yeah, where, where was this at? It was here at Soxfest. Oh, at Soxfest. Did we oh. do? No, I was hanging out with I was hanging out with Connor, and yeah. then maybe it was Dan Levy. It our, might have been him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you lost yeah, the yeah, Family but... Feud style game show. <laughs> yeah, they didn't put me. They didn't invite me back. To well, that I'm, I'm glad it hasn't stuck with you. I'm glad you shake that off. They're having me doing radio interviews instead now, so I don't embarrass myself. Well, that has yet to be seen. We can do it. We can still embarrass you or yourself or whatever. How's the off-season been, man? I know uh, coming off a season like you had where you were – I mean, I, I thought you took a huge step forward last year, and I know a lot of people did, and I wonder how that felt to do it. It was good. You know, I was uh, first and foremost happy to, to be there for a full season and, and stay healthy. Sure. Um, that's the biggest thing, you know. I, I kind of always look at uh, first, you know, how many innings, how many appearances. Yeah. And uh, that was my biggest uh, goal and accomplishment. There's a lot of things that we can't control. 
such as, you know, if you have one bad outing, your numbers get, you know, inflated and, yeah. and uh, health, you know, can't really control that. So um, I was really happy to, uh, you know, attain that goal of having um, a good number of appearances and, and uh, innings as well. In, in a bullpen like you guys had, too, as, as you, you had some injuries to it, uh, Zach Duke got traded at one point, there were... There was a point in that season where your usage really stepped up. Robin seemed to trust you and put you into more sticky situations. I imagine that that's got to do a couple of things for your psyche as a player. Yeah, I mean it was uh, it was good because Robin and I have a great relationship, and the fact that he knows he can put me in, you know, whenever, yeah. wherever, whatever situation—three innings, two innings, one out, whatever it is—and um, you know, I was happy to have success in in all those roles. So that way, you know, you become versatile, and then that way, whatever the game dictates, you can do it. Did you do you watch postseason baseball? I know a lot of guys t- turn it off and, and just want to get away from stuff after a while. Some guys can't stop watching. Which one are you? Um, we would kind of throw it on in the background, sure. dinner and stuff. We're not glued to it, but we'd leave it on just so I could see who won. Is interesting to me. It's it's nice because like you, you're not just watching players. You're watching former teammates. You're yeah. watching guys you faced. You know who sure. you, you know. Not only who. Um, you as a fan, which we all, you know, as players, we're also fans. Is yeah. Who you, who we as fans think are good, but also who we think is good because they had success off us, and that means a, a lot uh, of different things to me. You know, if somebody, I, I couldn't get somebody out, and then somebody else does, I'm sitting there like, how do, how do they get them out? I can't do it. They're good for them. Yeah, when you got to watch a, a, a division rival do it, I mean, you got to see Kipnis all the time. You got to see Jose Ramirez all the time. I mean, this is these are guys who, as a lefty, you're probably going to come in and have to turn up. Yeah, it, they were tough, and... Uh, Every year you kind of have one team that's your kryptonite, and they were it for me this year. I, I, just, I just couldn't figure them out. And, um, you know, as the season went on, they got better and better. And as their confidence built, they just continued to do it. And, and they were a very tough team. And, uh, you know, it showed. I think I, I had some tough outings against them. And, and you know, credit them. They're a really good team. Uh, do you root against Cleveland in the World Series, or do you root against the Cubs, or do you not really root for anybody? You know, Sometimes you worry about getting yourself in trouble with those loaded questions, but I had sure. to root against the Cubs because I knew it would be tough sense. being yeah. in Chicago with the Cubs as World Series champions. But um, you know they did it. I can't control it, and uh, it just I think it fuels our fire a little bit. One of the things we saw in the postseason was uh, managers turning to relievers a lot earlier. You saw a guy like Andrew Miller pitch 375 innings in the postseason, which I thought was cool for him. I'm surprised his arm didn't fall off. Do you think that's you know as, as a guy yourself who can come out and throw multiple innings? Do, are we seeing a slow change in, in how guys out of the bullpen are used and how multiple innings can be a weapon for a manager out of a pen? I think you are, and um, what I think managers also realize is that's not a regular season thing. Oh, I mean, I, you no can't, doubt. It, it, as soon as you burn a guy for two, three innings in a regular season game, you don't have that day off like you have the postseason. Right. You know, you're playing two, whatever it is, two games and then a day off, and they're fresh. So they could throw both those games multiple innings, and then you get a day off, and you're kind of rejuvenated. So during the season, you know, if, especially if they're your best relievers, you're going to try to throw them often as opposed to, you know, a lot in one game and then they're kind of spent. It's just weird to look at, you know, let's say managers go to throwing multiple innings a little bit more and that, that guy becomes more valuable. We see kind of that, you know, late 70s, early 80s kind of bullpen use. Guys, I, I know guys get paid for saves. So if a guy were, were really good like this but didn't have the saves, and that's going to affect him, could affect him in the pocketbook. And I wonder if that's... It's, it's a weird place to be as a reliever. Yeah, and, uh, you know, who knows which way the game will shift. Right. I mean, maybe that will become more valuable in the future because, um, you know, as a guy like me who I've kind of, you know, thrived in my career throwing multiple innings right. in the past, you know, to me, you know, if I'm going out and throwing two innings as opposed to one out, the one out is more valuable on paper, but the two innings to me, it's like I exhausted more. 
I threw more, you know, I got more people out, you know, it's a heavier workload. So obviously to me, in my mind, it's, it's more valuable for, you know, myself to, to do that. But um, the game is what it is and uh, saves, holds, all that stuff, wins, all that stuff's important. And, and at the end of the day, I get it because at the end of the day, it's about winning. And, uh, you know, if you're throwing two innings in a losing effort, then, you know, it doesn't really do much for the team. You just kind of get through the game. That's, yeah. that's what you're doing. Yeah. Well, bullpens as a group are notoriously goofy down in the, you know, getting into some hijinks. A little squirrely. Yeah, you know, you, got, you have a lot of time together down there in the bullpen. Is there somebody in the White Sox bullpen that's kind of the ringleader of the, I don't know, the little the little games or whatever hijinks you guys might get into? Yeah, or is man, it, it kind of as a group? We're kind of... We're kind of transitioning here ourselves. We uh, we lost a couple older guys. We lost Duke and we lost Albers, and those were kind of the, the guys we would you know we would pick on because we'd call them you know old and you know what was it like playing in the 70s and stuff like that. <laughs> right. uh, so you know we're we're shifting a little bit younger. Uh-huh. Um, I was just talking to Nate, and he, I think he just turned 31 today, and he's he's up there, you know, and that's yeah. not that old. God, you don't think about it. really. Nate's 31. Yeah, wow. and uh, and I he's think he's one of the senior guys. Yeah, D. Rob's a few years older than that. Yet, yeah, so. Um, no, we can, we can turn our attention to them, which is just fine. Everybody wears it, and they take it in stride, and it's, it's good fun. You've had some of the we, – we got a chance to talk to uh, Tyler Danish a little while ago. We, we've, we've talked to a few younger relievers, and they understand that, you know, at some point at the back end of that bullpen, uh, there's a spot for them to come up and, and maybe make an impact, whether it's out of spring training or whether it's a little later. What's your time been like with some of those young uh, young reliever arms? How do you how do you view some of those guys that may make an impact? You know, like I said, we're shifting. We're getting uh, yeah. into diff- it's tough to see guys go because you know not only are they their teammates, they're, they're people. We spend a lot of time with. Like you said, we're spending hours a, a day with these guys, so it's it's always tough to see people go. But you move on. I mean, that's the nature of the game. You move on, and then you uh, you know replace them with other people. And the best thing you can do is just uh, try to develop a relationship. Yeah. So you're. You California guy, is that right? Originally, and Originally. that's what the misconceptions. I, okay. I was only there for a couple of years, and then I moved to Iowa. So I, Iowa, I usually really? say Iowa more All right. over California. All right, I'm a I'm a Hawkeye graduate myself. So Are you really? Spent that's, some that's years too in bad. Iowa. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I, I went to Nebraska. So oh, Nebraska all right. Little rivalry. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm yeah. a Wisconsin guy, so we got all three big all right. teams. Right. Yeah. I was yeah, Big 12 almost. Oh yeah, that's right. You would have been Big 12. So yeah, that was tough for me to see. I mean, not anything against the Big Ten, but. You know, I grew up watching the Big 12, it's, Iowa, and, and then I played in it, and then now they're Big 10. It was just different for me. It's, it's weird to see Nebraska not play Oklahoma or Texas. It's just exactly. a really weird thing. I don't know. That, that Nebraska-Rutgers rivalry is really <laughs> rising. I was, the wearing, books. I was wearing for he, he came up to me yesterday and said, oh, man, like, uh, you know who won in basketball? And I was like, uh, Nebraska has a basketball team? <laughs> Nothing again. <laughs> right, right, again, yeah, I might yeah. get myself in trouble. That's fine. But, it's uh, yeah, yeah, I no. think the football score canceled out any other sport for the rest of the yeah. decade for the Rutgers. <laughs> right, right. Uh, sad season for Todd's <laughs> Rutgers Scarlet Knights. <laughs> really sad. Dan, thanks for stopping by, man. Great to hang out with you. We'll let you go and get on with the uh, with Sox Fest. Stay healthy. Look forward to seeing you in spring. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. Dan Jennings, White Sox left-hander. He's Brendan Greeley. I'm Connor McKnight. We are here at Sox Fest, and you've got White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890. Oh, yeah. Coming back with some hard rock. Can you, can you bring me back with the deep voice thing? You got it. You're listening to White Sox Weekly live from Sox Fest 2017 with Connor McKnight. Special guest Brendan Greeley from the Steve Doll Show. And I, I actually came bearing gifts. Uh, you brought gifts? Well, you know, I, Who I, for? I hate showing up for, uh, me? for you, for you, for hosting. I, you know, I've. I showed up to so many cocktail parties and dinner parties in my life, 
empty-handed. Yeah, no, that's that's my go-to. <laughs> but, uh, oh, yeah, I should have brought some wine. Oh, but, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah but, I feel like if, I, if I'm just really sorry about it, then uh-huh. they'll, they'll accept it. Right, right, exactly. If I just, if right. I just really shame myself right. for not bringing anything, but then they're okay with I it. I figure you guys would have plenty. I could, you know, you get a fridge full of beer. I didn't, you know, I don't want to overload you with my bush light that I was no, going to break. Yeah. The whole brick of bush light that I usually... But uh, walk no, around with. no I, I've been walking around Soxfest here, and there's so many cool booths. There's a, there really are. There's a, there's a vintage shop over there, like I, all these classic Chicago jerseys and stuff. Oh, sweet! Like a Kyle Orton jersey, I had my eye. Oh yeah, you gotta have that. Number eighteen. Did they run That's out of Craig Krenzels? I saw an A Train Thomas jersey. Oh my god, yeah, Michigan real guy, cool, I think. A Nate, Nate Vasher. I oh, saw. Oh nice. Yeah, there's some pretty cool jerseys. But have you seen the, the there's a Louisville Slugger demonstration yes. thing? With and it's not like yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's in the room with stuff that you can buy like memorabilia yeah. that you can buy, mm-hmm. but they have a demonstration and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. Of like old school bats and they've got a uh, they got a shoeless Joe game used. Right. All this cool stuff. Yeah. I didn't realize how you know we the the baseball bats that you see nowadays mm-hmm. the handles are so tapered. And right, if you take right. one off the handle, the bat just explodes and all that stuff. But it's yeah. so you can you know swing it faster through the zone. Bats back in, you know, we're talking like 1880s, 1890s, uh-huh. yeah. like two-by-fours. Right, right. I mean, they were like, they were just like bricks of wood. That's not yeah. a thing. I can't even get my hands no, around the handle. Not even a little uh-huh. bit. And that's, you know, we're talking about a completely different game where nobody hit for power. And right, was just, right. just, you know, trying to shoot stuff through the hole and mm-hmm. singles were different. And, yeah. you know, just talking about how the game has changed so much because of the technology. It's it's pretty unbelievable. Yeah, and yeah. that Louisville Slugger thing, they do a great job. Yeah, that is worth checking out. Of making it much more fun than I'm yeah. making it sound right now. Yeah, so I was... I was so what did you bring me? I was wandering around. I was like, what is the perfect gift for Connor that I could get? And, you know, I you know, I saw some shirts and stuff, but then I, I spotted this picture. It's, oh, uh, God. It's... Uh, it's oh young, yeah, there he is. Young that Bill, is young sexy that is Bill a Melton. Young, svelte, <laughs> sexy-looking Bill Melton. That yeah, guy. Dude. I mean, this is right up there with the Steve Stone centerfold. <laughs> yeah, this is. Oh my like god. Like if you're only familiar with the silver-haired devil that's on yeah. the CSN post game, no, but is then you haven't, you haven't seen young '70s Bill Melton. No, so with, that's the, some, with the mop top yeah. and everything, he's got the wry yeah, smile. Yeah. Like he knows something oh, yeah, you don't. He, exactly. That's exactly. what Bill Melton looks like so, in this photo. So a little something for your mantle. Or, Thank you. Or, you know, I'm gonna have up. to get. I'm gonna have to have Bill. Uh, I'm, I'm, what, what's that? With applications for for fun. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, Bill, Bill Melton. If, if you if you can find me a Bill Melton right at Soxfest, uh-huh. I need to get this signed. Yeah, that's oh. what is Bill around? Has anyone seen Bill? Uh, I'm sure he's Melton, wandering. Bill of course, Bill. Yeah, they pay him to be here. Yeah, he's he's around. He's he's you know he's he's somewhere cooler than we are. Right I am now. going to uh, I'm going to tweet out a photo of this photo. Oh yeah, obviously, at uh-huh. C1 McKnight. You can follow me on yeah. Twitter. I'm sure Brandon's going to tweet one out as well. Uh-huh. This is really, of course, if I ask Bill Melton, Bill walks into the booth every once in a while during broadcasts when uh-huh. he's there to do the post game show on CSN, and he and Chuck do a great job of it. Right. But he'll just walk in, and I. I don't know if you. I'll, I'll kind of describe it to, to if you listeners if you haven't seen it. The the booth that we're in is two tier, right? Uh huh. So the lower level is usually where I sit while the game's going on, and the upper level is where you know we broadcast from. It's it's not big, right. but it's there are two levels. Mm-hmm. So if somebody walks in while I'm at the lower level, whether it's like Jason Benetti who was just hanging out with us, yeah. or if it's Bob Grimm who works for the Sox, or if, if it's Bill Melton, I can't hear them. I don't. I don't know that they're there. Gotcha, because you got your headphones on or whatever. So, so Bill comes in, and he'll always do this. He'll come in, and he'll just like slam his hand down on my shoulder. 
And then say Connor McKnight, but there's a word in the middle of Connor and McKnight, uh, and I'm not, I can't. Sure. It's Bill Melton. You know what the uh, word is. Yeah. Uh, and then and he just yells to me about about the White Sox. What? <laughs> uh, you know this whole thing. Yeah. And it just, it is just sets off a jet stream. Oh of, yeah. No, and oh. it's just, and he asks you a question, mm-hmm. but he's not there for your answer. He's there to tell you what he thinks about sure, the rest sure. of the ball it's, it's just an entree to a Yes, it is. To a, a and I rant. love, I, I cherish those conversations. Because <laughs> yeah. seriously, in, in all honesty, I'll uh-huh. learn something about baseball that I, I didn't even know I didn't know mm-hmm. every time I talk to Bill. Yeah. It is a it is a perspective on baseball that I, obviously, not as a former player, can't have. Yeah. But, you know, oftentimes I think, you know, you forget, and Ed and DJ do this really well, too, you forget that these guys are human beings. Right. And, and I know that that's rote. I, I know that you, you hear that a lot, and it's, it almost sounds cliche, mm-hmm. but it's it's 100% because, true. Because when you see them in person, you just kind of want to observe them. I, I saw Bill Melton at McDonald's once, no joke, and I, I was like, oh, that's that's Bill that's Bill Melton. Like, I kind of want to see how he operates yeah. at, in a normal situation. The real world. You know, Out right, in the exactly. wild. So it was, uh, it was at the... Was at the Merchandise Mart McDonald's. All right. I know that McDonald's yeah, well. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, I know that I, one I, well. I've, I've bought many a McDouble there. Mm. And uh, so, but this was around breakfast time. I was working at a radio station on a Sunday morning. Sure. And he was, you know, doing pregame or something. Wandered over there. And uh, so I just observed, like, I wonder what he orders at. At McDonald's, you know, for a breakfast, is he is he a McMuffin guy? Is he? A, I imagine what? he's a hash brown. You know what he went with? He went with the oatmeal. Really? Yeah. A healthy Bill Melt, right? That's impressive. Yeah, I was, you know, and that's that's why he looks so good. At, yeah, uh, no, clearly. His, I mean, a, this is it is it has stayed with <laughs> yeah. him. The man uh, is. Uh, I mean, he's yeah. he's on TV but, for a reason. And and he charmed the charmed the McDonald's workers for, for. I mean, they. I don't know if they were. 100% sure who he was, but they knew he was somebody special. He was like, working. He was, yeah, he was yeah. working. Yeah, exactly. you know, he's out in the real world. He's always he's, on. He's, he's always working. on. So. He's yeah. uh, He's Brendan Greeley. I'm Connor McKnight. We have a special edition of White Sox Weekly here at SoxFest 2017. Yeah, everybody having fun? Yeah. 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 It has been a blast being here, uh, oh, and we've had we've had plenty of players run through uh, the car wash that is the WLS station. Yeah, I heard you were hanging with my buddy Tyler Saladino. We were, oh, we were hanging. Yeah. So I'll tell you, true story. Brent Greeley, obviously the Steve Dahl show. Tyler uh-huh. and I, I know Tyler fairly well from last season. We talk. Mm-hmm. He's a good dude, and we're sitting here in the in the bullpen waiting to to go on the show. And I look at Tyler, how you been? You know, I'm a spoke to have like I haven't seen him in a while. Sure, yeah. I want to talk to my, my you know my uh-huh. guy and, and have a conversation. First words out of his mouth aren't, how are you? Mm-hmm. Good to see you. How have you been? Right. Nothing. It's, where's Steve? It's <laughs> the first thing he asks. Yeah, they bonded. Steve? <laughs> we, all, we all bonded down in Mexico on the on the Sox trip. So. I really, I, I know that we can't talk about a lot of the ways in which you bonded. Sure. Well, with best, those are best left unsaid. You and Steve bonded with everybody else around there. But I, I imagine the trip to Mexico is pretty good. Remind me of, of the roster that came down. I know oh, Jose had, Quintana went down and Tyler went down. Tyler, and then we had... Baines and Kittle. Oh God, God! Yeah, yeah. It's a, so that's a oh, that's a, that's a duo. That's you, you had to roll <laughs> for what was that? Four days with yeah. Ron Kittle. Yeah, there. That's got to be a test of endurance, man. One, He's incredible. He can he, and he can tell you forty-five minutes worth of stories without taking a breath. It's, it's unbelievable. It's, it's incredible. It really is. We have Ron Kittle at eleven o'clock tomorrow morning, and I I plan to just say hello. And then walk away from the microphone. Right, right. He's, he's just good to go. Him. You know, it's it's he'll he'll tell a story and then that'll remind him of another, another story. story. And then, oh, let me tell you this. And, and they're all fantastic. I mean, right, exactly. They're all most inside. of them. You can't believe the ending. Exactly. And yeah. in some of them, he's pantsless oh. at the end. 
I'm yeah, serious. Grand Majora. More often than not, Ron Kittle's got a story that ends like that. That's how it works. And that's honestly, it's why I come to Sox Fest. Right? It really that's, is. It's why I come to Sox Fest. It's a beautiful Fest. thing. Uh, 2.30, we have Zach Birdie going to join us. Cool. He was, of course, the, uh, the second first-round pick of the White Sox in the 2016 draft. Birdie's an interesting guy. Uh, we were talking with Jason Benetti, and, and I won't give it away yet, but we, have, we, we know something about Zach Birdie that he doesn't know that we know. Ooh. It's kind of out there now. All right. So it's, it's one of Birdie's interests. So we'll ask him about uh, that coming up right. in, a, in a couple of minutes. But Zach also has, he's got a brother that's also in the minor leagues. Gotcha. So it's, it's one of those, it's a baseball family. Mm-hmm. And, and Zach throws about 110 miles an hour. He's Ooh. one of those big-time flamethrowers that the White All Sox right. have added to the roster. I can throw half that. No, you can't. No, I can't. No, you can't. <laughs> can you need to know how much it hurts. To, like, we should go find a speed pitch and see if Brennan can hit. 55. I bet you could hit 55. I don't know. I bet I bet you could hit 55. Like, we I mean, warm you up for a while. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk to Zach about how to warm up. Yeah. Make sure that you don't completely explode your maybe, shoulder. Maybe get a couple Jamesons in me or something. Oh, yeah, for, three or four. For yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, that's that's called, yeah, that's shoulder juice. Yeah, exactly. That's what that's Loosen called in the bullpen. Yeah, it well, worked for Mark Burley. Yeah. yeah. Saving the World Series. It worked out just fine. 312-591-8900 is the phone number. We're going to take a quick break. We come back. We do have time for a little bit of time for some phone calls. You're more than welcome to give us a ring. We want to hear what you think about SoxFest. If you're heading down or in and around or out getting lunch or whatever, uh, that's your chance to get involved with the show. Oh, and you can follow, uh, well, of course, you can follow us on Twitter, as always, at C1McKnight is the Twitter handle. Uh, that's how you can interact with the show on Twitter. And I am about to tweet out. A photo of sweet swinging Belton Bill Melton, seventies that Bill Brendan Melton. Greeley bought me. It is it is Bill Melton in his prime, uh-huh. in his damn prime. And I, I'll tweet it out so you can see what the, the gift that the wonderful Brendan Greeley brought us. We're here until three o'clock down here at Soxfest. We're back here on Sunday as well. Take a quick break. We'll be right back here on WLS AMA ninety. Yeah, Soxfest. Connor McKnight hosting White Sox Weekly live from SoxFest at the Hilton Chicago. We're having a blast here. We really are, actually. And I, I really like coming out to SoxFest, too, because you get to you put faces to names. Because White Sox Twitter is is very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I enjoy White Sox Twitter. I know Jason Benetti has been a huge, in, in his broadcast, he brings the White Sox Twitter fandom into he really does. the broadcast, and it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ed and DJ do that as well. I like to do it on the on the show. Um, but I just got to meet a bunch of the guys from Southside Sox. Oh, sure. Which, you know, it's, it's one of the better fan blogs, I think, that's out there. And, and I, I shouldn't really even call it a fan blog because these guys are actual, mm-hmm. they, they do the work. They understand what it is that they're trying to accomplish uh, and do a great job of it. Uh, met Josh Nelson, met Patrick Nolan, met Brian Billick. Okay. All those guys are really good at what they do, and it's really cool to put there's, their faces to the names here at SoxFest. Yeah, there's a dedication there because there's, there there's some garbage sports blogs out there. There that, really that, are. That, there that, are some, there that are some bad information. Yeah. Hashtag fake sports. And they don't care. Mm-hmm. And, and they, don't, they don't care that it's bad and they just throw it right, out there. Right, exactly. These, they just want clicks. Yeah, these but, guys are very, very good at what they do. Mm-hmm. And I, I'll, I recommend them highly as, you know, if you're a Sox fan who's, you know, getting brought back into mm-hmm. – or kind of buying into some of the rebuild. These guys do great work of letting you know who these guys are. Yeah. And, and it's, uh, it's just really cool to meet all three of them. Speaking of Twitter, I, I saw a tweet that you put out. And last, uh, last night, actually, I was I was at home. I didn't do anything on a Friday night. I, but at some point, I made a late-night run to Walgreens. Sure. Because I was out of Axe body spray. We've well, all need, been, well, we've all been there. No, you, <laughs> no, you smell fantastic. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, no, I was, I just, I was bored. I went to Walgreens and 
got some snacks. Fruity Pebbles were on sale for $2, so I got some of that. I got, stock some, up. got some Funyuns. I got yeah. some chocolate milk. Uh, you'd think I was super high, but I wasn't. I was just bored. So I, so all those things rumbling around in my stomach woke me up at 3 a.m. And I, I, so, you know, on Twitter it now has, in case you missed it, and yeah, it goes back yeah. to, to and, and it went to your tweet that said, "Hey, uh, how cool is the Australian Open?" Oh my God! And, and it's, it was started like the Australian Open finals are the the Williams sisters and then yes. Nadal and Federer. Yes. And so it, and then I looked and there, it's starting. It, it started at 2:30 a.m. So yeah. it's like, okay, uh, this is what I'll do until I fall back asleep. I'll so watch. Did you watch, watch that the, whole thing? I watch the Williams sisters. Oh. Well, I started for a while and then I then I kind of dozed off and maybe I realized I didn't. I like I like the idea of tennis more yeah, right. than, <laughs> than I actually like tennis, but. It's pretty impressive what we were watching. Serena's done. We were watching Nadal and uh, Dimitrov in the newsroom Friday morning. John uh-huh. Dempsey and I, who does the news, obviously, for Big John and Ray, and, and he's fantastic, just a wonderful human being. And we're watching this, tent, not believing what we're seeing. Mm-hmm. And all of, speaking of, a lot of White Sox Twitter, and I think Josh Nelson, who actually runs Southside Sox, he was watching it too. And just unbelievable tennis back and forth. These guys yeah. were insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these are those are four of the biggest the best tennis players of all time. Yeah, that, yeah. It's, it fe- almost feels like it's like it's 2009 again. Yeah, but sometimes when, I wish it was. But well, when it when it uh, when it comes to watching a full match, I, I sometimes have a hard time. And it doesn't compare to baseball for me as far as a you know a sport I can sit down and just really bite bite into. Well, and and baseball. So like I I understand that that for baseball's not for everybody mm. TV wise. You know, being at a game, mm. it's a completely different story. Yeah. But my, my dad taught me this growing up, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of young you know, baseball fans, young White Sox fans understand this. You can start a game, especially if it's a day game. You start a game. Mm-hmm. Your nap starts about the bottom of the fifth. Right. You can yeah. <laughs> wake yourself up about mm-hmm. top of the seventh. Yeah. You can make food or have food ready to roll in the bottom of the seventh. And then you've got the eighth and ninth to finish out a good ball game. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's a perfect game yeah. to, to kind of... Waste away your Relax afternoon. Uh-huh. Baseball has always been great yeah. for that. And I, I, honest to God, I think that's mm-hmm. some of what you know. As, as baseball wants to skew younger and bring in, you know, the younger demographic and the younger fan, as, as every, any business would, mm-hmm. I, I think that can be pushed more, yeah. and, and you can embrace that part of it. You know, yeah. we don't have to make it as fast as we can possibly make it it doesn't have you know i mean it's okay that some of it takes a little bit longer right the reasons we take a little bit longer maybe can be changed sure but sure, the fact but that it's a long game i don't, I don't think should really national pastime it is we passed on i i think we do have a caller on uh, oh we? i'm hearing is, is frank on the line oh cool hi frank hi guys how are you doing well doing well thanks for uh thanks for hopping on the show what's on your mind man uh, I just wanted to tell you why I became a lifelong White Sox fan. It started 41 years ago, and I, excuse me, but I had a brain fart, and I cannot remember the owner's name, and that's what the story's all about. <laughs> Vec is, Vec is I in wreck, I would imagine, right? No, yeah, uh, he, he had the uh, one leg. Yeah, Bill Vec. No, 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 he had the, he, he did. <laughs> No, no, it's I'm Bill sorry. Beck. I'm messing with it you. It is Bill Beck. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, no, no, it's all good, Frank. We're just having fun. I was laughing at Brendan. <laughs> I went to Glenwood School for Boys, and uh, we were poor kids. You know, it was a military school. You had to be from a single-parent home. And they took us to the White Sox game, about 100 kids. And when we got off the bus, the only thing we had was a sack lunch and one of those little plastic containers of Kool-Aid. And uh, we got off the bus, and there was this guy there handing $5 to each kid. 
Uh, be wary. We, we, <laughs> right, right. But we, mm. we had the time of our lives, and we bought wristbands, a couple hot dogs. I mean, we couldn't believe it. And in the seventh inning, eighth inning, this guy came back, and he says, you know, how are you enjoying the game? And one of our house parents said, you know who that is? That's the owner of the White Sox, Bill Beck. I will wow, never forget that. Cool. Right. I will never forget that. You know, I, it was a going joke that we thought, you know, as I got older, he probably took that money from the uh, one of the vendors. And then went right back to the park. <laughs> he was such a smart guy. You know what I mean? It, it, yeah. Made, made you a lifelong fan. White Sox fan. It that did. $5 yeah, investment. I love, right. My love for the White Sox is uh, undying. Uh, and I just wanted to share that with you guys uh, because, you know, being White Sox best and all that, uh, you guys do a great job, and thanks for all your time, man. Well, thanks, Frank. I really appreciate it, and thanks for calling. Thanks for sharing the story, man. That is awesome. Big thanks to Frank for uh, for calling in. If you want to hop in the show, you're more than welcome to. 312-591-8900 is the phone number, or you can check out Twitter. I, you know, We got to talking with, with the people here at SoxFest, and I haven't tweeted out that photo you bought me of, of Bill Melton, yeah. uh, which I appreciate greatly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm going to tweet that out there as well. I, I Also, you ever collect baseball cards when you're Are you kidding? Dude, yeah, there's, of course There's I a ton of baseball cards here, ones? and so I, so I bought some. Uh, maybe you can help me sort out what you got. I got a oh, Joe, Joe Creedy. Nice. Dude, it's, Creedy. A Fleer, it's a Fleer Joe Creedy. It's a maximum one. I can't tell... Looks like it's an O2 card. Looks like okay. It's so before is you know yeah. this sort of rise. And yeah. Man. Well, he had How a good cool he had a good Curry. 2000. Yeah. No. So this would have been his. Yeah. This is his rookie card, I think. Yeah. Technically, this is his rookie card because O2 oh, nice. would have been his rookie season because in O1 he only played like I think it was like 15 games, 17 okay. games, something yeah. like that. So that's so a Joe Creedy that's rookie. valuable. All right. I got that. I got that cheap. So that's good. Man, remember that he rode that momentum off oh the World God. Series like into that into those next couple of years he was the best third baseman in the American League. White Sox fans don't forget Joe Creedy, obviously, but I was just, I was looking through, you know, some some of the best seasons had by third baseman, like, mm-hmm. in all of baseball history. Yeah. Offensively, Joe Creedy's got one of the best third base seasons of all time. Yeah. yeah. I, I, he's mashed, yeah. absolutely mashed. He was a beast, and, and uh, his defense oh, was he could spectacular. Pick it. Yeah, he could pick it. And next, I got a couple of center fielders. I want you to tell you, me one memory about okay. each, each of these guys. All right, so we're looking at two there. Aaron Rowand. Is one of them who is a uh, who is a coach in the White Sox minor league organization. That's right. Now. Yeah. I you know my he'd memory. Make a, he'd make a good coach. He, he's a, he's yeah. very grindy, very mm-hmm. coachy. Yeah. Uh, I like Aaron a lot. He uh, my memory of Aaron Rowan. The first one that comes to mind isn't a White Sox memory. Okay. It's it's when he was in Philly. Sure. And was chasing down a fly ball in center field. He ran smack dab into the fence, broke his oh, nose open. Dude, yeah, I remember that. All over the place and just that walking around the field like, well, this sucks. I probably will play tomorrow, yeah. but uh, it's just. Yeah, it doesn't care at all. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, And the other one is, uh, oh, Dwayne Wise. Oh, and it's it's the card is the catch, right? It is coming off the the wall. The unbelievable perfect game saving catch. Unbelievable. Remember who hit that ball? No, I don't. Gabe Kapler hit that ball. Really? Yep. Gabe Kapler hit that ball. Interesting. Yep. Yoked it. I think it was the first pitch too. Yeah. Of that at bat in the in the top of the ninth or the yeah it would have been the top of the ninth. All right, I got picked up. Oh. Alexi Ramirez card. Yeah. And I, my memory of Alexi is just Hawk screaming, Alexi. Yes! <laughs> That's a simple one. That's I the think. only memory. How many White Sox fans' <laughs> memories are tied to Hawkisms? Probably. Almost all of them. Right. right? I mean, it's, it's, he it's has to. The he's, like, he's iconic. Yeah. He's iconic. And then that's the last card I got. Oh, this is a really cool card. Right. What a great picture. This is really awesome. This is uh, this is a Tops. It's a Chance the Rapper card, who I. Right. Maybe I'm showing a little bias. I love Chance. Oh, I think he's fantastic. Dude, I love all of awesome. his stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's the April 8th first pitch. Right. 
with the snow you can coming see down. The snow. This is just last yeah. season. That That's is a cute. really cool photo. Yeah. That is a really cool card. Mm. Well done, sir. Yeah, You've, I think I put you down boosted some your ones. collection. In. <laughs> Don't put these in the bike spokes. No, no, these are, the bike spokes. these are getting plastic cases. Yeah, these go on the cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, 312-591-8900 is the phone number. We've got the 230 news coming up, and on the other side, we'll talk to uh, White Sox first-round draft pick Zach Birdie here on White Sox Weekly. you got WLS AMA 90. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. I'm Connor McKnight, Brandon Greeley of the Steve Dahl Show, hanging out with us, Hello. and Zach Birdie of the Chicago White Sox. Joining yeah. us for Zach yeah. Birdie. Uh, thank you. Appreciate it. One, 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 one White Sox. Okay, there it is. Yeah, yeah. Makes a lot of sense. <laughs> my aunt makes a lot of noise for me, too. Do, do all your buddies call you Birdie, last name? or? Yeah, they... no, I've been, I don't think I've been called Zach by any of my buddies for like 10 years. It's right, right. Birdie, That's... and then my... Brothers, friends call me Little Birdie. Little so, Birdie, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's too much fun of a last name to, to say. I feel like in baseball you could forget your first name pretty quickly because the nicknames are the only things people use. Yeah, no, no idea what your like, actual name is. College baseball, no one is known by like their real mm-hmm. like birth given name. Um, it's actually funny. I was walking through our college locker room saying bye to everyone before um, heading up and. Um, on the lockers now, everyone took down their name palettes and they just had their nicknames. No one wants to be called by the real right, name right. anymore. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah, you got you got to go back down to Louisville over the off season. Uh, you were telling me how how was the off season? You knew your first as a pro. I think there are. I would imagine you got sent with a, a checklist from the White Sox of mm-hmm. things to do and not do and eat and not yeah. eat all that stuff. Yeah, so it was um, it was good because my brother had been uh, doing it for two years now, so uh, I had to got to learn from him, got to kind of pick his brain on what to do, what not to do, learn from his mistakes, and then it was also good because there is a lot of pro guys in Louisville who are training for the season, so you have a lot of guys pushing you and making sure that you're doing what you have to do, and there's a lot of uh, accountability checks and uh, just making sure that no one's slacking. Uh, we're all teammates before. We're going to keep pushing each other to, to get where we all want to go. And um, So, yeah, it was awesome, uh, awesome experience to kind of finish my – uh, last year of school in Louisville with my friends who were also experiencing their senior year. Not stuff not to eat, like you can't eat pizza or something like that. It's just not. Yeah, I mean, or, or in small quantities. Yeah, I've always been uh, pretty uh, picky about and healthy about what I eat. But okay. I went upstairs and they had chocolate jet, uh, Cheerios, and oh. I I've been crushing oh, them out there. Hey, those are awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah. Zach, yeah. Brendan, take over. All right. <laughs> yeah, going to be right back. <laughs> oh, my God. That sounds fantastic. Uh, so I, I learned something about you. Jason Benetti, who does, of course, the uh, play-by-play for the White Sox on the television side and does a hell of a job at it, was hanging out with us a while ago, and he told us that you are a huge fan of, like, the uh, the escape room things. Yeah, giant fan. Um, so I ended up started doing well, how, that. How did you start into this? Like, how do you go in? Because I've seen them. You know there's one on Michigan Avenue? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Trapped in a room. There's with eighty. Zombie. There's eighty in Chicago. Oh, come we're, on, really? we're looking. No, for, we're looking for our target market. And it's not Chicago. Wow. So wait, yeah. You're looking to build one. I would love. Oh, yeah. That was um, like. So I went earlier this year with a couple of my boys for one of their birthdays. We're like, I right, just have to figure out something to do like on a Wednesday night. And we went. We all loved it. Then we went back the next week. And then we ended up doing it, like two weeks later. And uh, just. It was stupid. We're blowing, like, stupid amount of cash on these dumb rooms, but it's so much fun. For, for those that don't know what an escape room is, can you kind of... Yeah. Uh, so escape room is, like, you're put in, like, a 10 by 10 room, and you have uh, 60 minutes to get out of it to use clues, use hints, and uh, little things. There's a storyline you have to follow, and um, if you don't make it, then you obviously lose. But if you do, um, it is by far one of the most gratifying... Like, gratifying yeah. like I, I would put up me escaping one of those rooms, like, 
a little bit under getting drafted by the White Sox. It was like I, when I saw that door turn green, I was like, oh my god, I made, I did everything I wanted to do. So I it's kind of like a Saw movie without the yeah. Chance well, it depends on who you play with because yeah, yeah. I played with my family. Like last weekend, it got really competitive. Like uh, my brother, uh, he found a wallet and it had a clue in it, and then but he didn't check the whole thing. There was another clue, and we found it like ten minutes later. Like. I, I, some people got in his face, like, if you're not going to take this seriously, like, you need to get out. Like, we're trying to get out of the scene and break through, so, uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Why why, why are they so addicting to you? Is it the, is I it think the it's the competitiveness. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, just like, just going in there and, like, being able to um, compete, because everyone I go with is really competitive. Like, my family's super competitive. All my buddies have been playing college baseball with me. We're all super competitive when it comes to that stuff, so when we don't get it, it's like, because me and my family didn't get it. We were walking two blocks down in Louisville, and we all looked at each other and go, we're not ending today on a loss. I mean, you turned it right back to this place and got right back into a room. The lady can't do this to us. The, the lady running was like, "What are you guys doing back here?" <laughs> yeah, let's go. <laughs> we all had smart waters in our hands, just yeah. hoping that it would make <laughs> it <laughs> better. Yeah. yeah. What do you? What? What? Does Does one person make it out? Like, do you? Does everybody get out if you all get? Or just like? Oh yeah, it's like a. So it's eight max. Oh, okay. So I've gone with like five to eight people, and uh, if like we're working as a team to get everyone out. Yeah. So you don't have to like knock people off on the way. It's. it's you don't have to, but, but uh, sometimes. There's dead weight that you just stuff in the corner. Like, don't touch any anything that we are working on. That's amazing. That's absolutely. And you have a, you have an idea for one. I do have one, but um, yeah, this is this is national radio. This I mean, is national mean, radio. Yeah. Um, mine. I, the only thing is, it would be called locked and loaded. Nice. I'm gonna TM this right now. Locked and loaded. TM. 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 Um, we'll apply for that. Right yeah, now. and it'd be locked and loaded. And instead of, um, so you would go in, go complete your thing, and then afterwards you would have dinners and drinks and you'd be able to watch the other people uh, doing the same room as you and you'd be able to just like just idea. watch them and tell them how big of idiots they are that's a really they can't say idea. anything yeah so it would just be like fun to go and watch and you could like, call yeah, that area the birdie's nest the, yeah the nest right there yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's genius stuff um okay so into the escape room kind of thing and, and we've got the competitive nature that's mm -hmm. clearly part of you <laughs> pretty obvious um, you will be, and this is what we call in, in the business a, a segue, uh, and not a good one at that, but you will be competing uh, for jobs come spring training. And I, I think for me, you know, watching games and going down to spring, I love when there are jobs at stake. I understand that there's there's pressure there on players, but I think, and I've, I've seen it before, guys come out of those competitions better ball players, knowing that they've got to work for it. Is that... How, how much have you thought about that? How much have you talked about that with the other teammates that you may or may not be competing with or may also be competing for other jobs? Yeah. Um, we were talking about earlier in, uh, in one of the seminars, uh, Carson was uh, talking about how um, it's a real college field because when you get to college, you're a freshman, and there's sophomores, juniors, seniors who um, you want to be your friends. You really do. Mm -hmm. And you're, you're, you actually are your friends. You're buddies with them off the field. But when it comes to be on the field, you realize that there's a job at stake. Yeah. You realize there's a competitive nature that needs to be put forth and that um, it brings out the best in everyone because when I'm trying to do my best and then Carson's trying to do his best and then Lucas is trying to do his best and it just keeps going and going and going, well, then now everyone's just going to reach a higher level. And when you bring that to the field or you bring it to any workspace, yeah. you're going to see results just boom. And when it comes down to there's a, there is a college field because there's a lot of 21 to 25-year-old guys 
and then you have the veterans who have done it a long time that you look up to and you try and pick their brain. And um, it should be really interesting. I'm really excited to get out there. And uh, we were watching bullpens last week. Everyone looked great. So um, definitely taking that back to Louisville these next couple of weeks and um, really trying to refine some stuff before getting back and working with Coop and uh, AZ. What's the conversation with you and the Sox about uh, potentially starting? Because um, I, I talked yeah. to Nick Hostetler some when you were drafted, I think, in, in years, uh, a couple months after. And the conversation's there. But they, they like the repertoire. They like the change-up that's kind of developed mm-hmm. some. And, and, you know, if you've got all that and you are as good as you are, yeah. may, maybe start. I don't know. Yeah. they um, Nick has done a great job uh, not mentioning it to me at times when it doesn't need to be mentioned. Like, during the season, it was not brought up at all. No. I was a reliever all throughout the cool. summer. I was going to get my innings. I was going to get my work on, work work on stuff, uh, work with guys on bases, just really get back to the basics. And then when the season ended, we um, we also, like, it was a while, and then he was like, hey, like, I'm not going to push this on you. We don't know what we want to do with you yet. Uh, when that conversation comes, we'll talk about it. But for now, you're a reliever. We want you as a reliever, and we're going to stick to that for X amount of time until sure. maybe decisions are going to be made. Cool. So. Can I ask, when you were growing up, who were some of the players that you idolized to or some guys so, that you looked up to? As oh, as bad as it, um, as bad as it sounds, the 05 team, and I know they won then, that was like... It's, nothing, it's a championship team. Champ, but that, that's when I started really loving the Sox. Makes sense. So, um, it was, I mean, I loved Creedy. I loved, uh, I actually got to play with Rowan. I was playing with Rowan. I played ping pong with him. That was a dream come true. He kicked my, he really beat me bad. And then um, <laughs> he was, uh, so that, and then I was at the Burley Perfect Game that year with all my buddies no uh, who are still my best friends today. So we talked about that. And um, the dad who brought us, like, literally, it's like, he loves it. He's like, you guys, that is, like, my favorite thing that Zach talks about that whenever he gets a chance to. I'm like, dude, like, I don't have that many stories about the Sox. I have to bring it up. And right. yeah. So, yeah, no, I loved I loved that team, uh, Jermaine Dye. I mean, it was literally, it was, I remember watching them win it in my uh, couple uh, houses down in my neighborhood with all my friends. It was awesome. Yeah. There's a couple of you guys. Uh, Charlie Tilson also grew mm-hmm. up a White Sox fan from Nutrier. I mean, it's, it's kind of weird that I, in other organizations it doesn't happen that, that guys are – fans of that club i mean i can't count on my hand major league players who grew up fans of the team they're playing for yeah no i mean it really is special the opportunity that we've uh, both been given and um i knew of charlie he was uh, in the same draft class as my brother nick coming out of high school so him and nick were friends and i knew of him uh he was like one of the most feared bats in high school at the yeah. time and uh he went his way with the cardinals and then i was i went off to louisville and then um, we're working out at UIC, and I get a tap on my shoulder, and there's Charlie. And, uh, Crazy. So, yeah, it was uh, it's really cool, and uh, I'm sure his family's going through the same thing that my family's going through, where everyone's just really excited, all your friends are excited. Um, people that you haven't talked to in years are um, just really reaching out to you and telling you how much support they're going to give you like when you make it up or if you sure. make it up. So, yeah, it's been awesome. That's awesome. I, I think we can probably expect when, uh, and, and hopefully you do, make your major league debut this season. Obviously, that's it's going to be a goal for you going into yeah. spring. I imagine your aunt is going to be making some noise. Uh, she's right there, yeah, and I'm sure. I, I imagine, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure she's going to love it. Um, even if I'm not there, she goes to as many games as she possibly can. Her and her friend Mickey, so they're going to love it. And uh, when that day comes, and I'm hoping it's sooner than later, um, if it is ever, it will be um, a very special day for all of us. That's awesome, man! So Congrats. Cool. Glad you're healthy. Glad you're ready to roll, and we will see you in Arizona in a couple weeks. Yeah, sounds good. Thank Absolutely. you, guys. Yeah. Zach Birdie, first-round yeah. pick of the White Sox, Appreciate hanging out with us here on White Sox Weekly. We'll come back and wrap things up. He's Brendan Greeley. I'm Connor yeah. McKnight. You have WLS AM 890.
Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here at SoxFest 2017. I'm Connor McKnight. He is Brendan Greeley, and we are wrapping things up for the day. Already? I know. We're just getting started. It really does kind of fly by. It does. The the White Sox are so great uh, about bringing us, you know, the players that you want to hear from, that Sox fans want to hear from. Just got done talking with Zach Birdie. That kid is so cool. He is like He's just a normal kid. He's a cool dude. Future superstar. You imagine playing for the team you grew up rooting for. Oh, man. Mind-blowing experience. Mind-blowing. I I was talking with, I don't know, we mentioned to Zach, Charlie Tilson, who's Mm -hmm. uh, got traded uh, for Zach Duke last season. All right. Uh, And Charlie's a nutrient guy, grew up a Sox fan on the north side, so obviously already he knows about being in enemy territory. Uh, But I was was just asking him about, you know, being traded and getting a call and and hearing from the White Sox. And Mm -hmm. apparently his, his call to his parents was basically just screaming and yelling. Yeah, yeah. Just, just a lot of yelling. Just <laughs> Mom, Dad! Just losing his damn... It yeah, was fantastic. Yeah. It was absolutely, you got to love that raw emotion. Yeah, the story's awesome. I, I, was, uh, I was out wandering around. There's lots of uh, autograph lines going on. There's Ron Kittle, Harold Baines. There was Lucas Giolito. No. And Frank Thomas is a big one. I, so I was in the Frank Thomas area. And there was some fans, as they were, some officials were mm-hmm. leading Big Hurt up to the front where he could sit at the table and meet everyone. And as he's walking through the crowd, there's one dude that was just, he was just yelling. <laughs> like, at first I thought he was barking, then I yeah. realized he was saying hurt. Oh, like, all right, I get it. Hurt, hurt, hurt. But it sounded like he was either hiking a ball or, right. or yeah, barking like a dog. Like, I was like. I was trying to think, like, dog pound? No. No. Oh, hurt. Oh, it's got to be hurt. Big hurt. Yeah. hurt. And, then I, and then I saw a couple that was standing there in the Frank Thomas area, and she was saying to the, the girl, both in socks gear, both in jerseys, a Canerco jersey and a, I forget the other one, but she was saying to the guy, she wanted to go meet Frank Thomas. He wanted to go see Lucas Giolito, and he wanted her to come with. Right. And she said to him, in all, like, with dead serious, she's like, Relationships are all about compromise. She like, and I was like, bro, bro, you're on thin ice. This like, is this like is, this is a this, this is Frank Thomas. It, right, right. I'm, I'm gonna go see Hall of Fame. Right. So they and they they talked for a few minutes, like whispered. To each other, had it out, and then they they went their separate ways. That's so amazing. he went Giolito. I hope I they got back together. Up, right. <laughs> like I, I hope that wasn't yeah. a, a relationship crushing moment it, for them. Uh, otherwise, there's a single girl in a Canerco jersey over there in the hurt, big hurt line. So that so is uh, wow. So just, the sights and sounds of socks. Yeah, relationship goals. 2017 <laughs> here for right, the right. Sox 2017. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I have to the, the things to do here uh, yeah, as we hosting, wrap up the you're, show. You're hosting a what? What is it? Yeah, we're back tomorrow from a. 11 o'clock. I'm looking at Dave Zaslowski, our producer, because I can't uh-huh. keep a thought in my head. Uh, we're back from 11 to 1, and Big John and Ray are going to be out here, or just Big John or Ray. If the flu hasn't taken both of them, oh, yeah. if they haven't around. both been ended by the sickness, then, mm-hmm. then they're both uh, one or two or three of them are going to be here. Cool. Uh, and we have uh, Ron Kittle tomorrow. Nice. We have, we have, oh, we've got, uh, it's another reliever. I'm spacing out. Hmm? We have Jake, Jake Patricia. See, I told you he's another reliever. Yeah, you're right on. Matt Davidson and Carlos May. Oh, awesome. Nice. We get to talk to Carlos again. Cool. I talked to him last year at SoxFest. I yeah. hadn't met him before. Okay. I got to meet Carlos May. I mean, this cool, is, dude. you know, we talked with Bob Surratt, who, and mm-hmm. Mar- Bob and Marianne were nice enough to drop by and hang out. And just yeah. this kind of thing, and, and you have to put this away when you, when you start working, you know, when you go back for the season. Mm-hmm. 
but you get to be a little bit of a fanboy. Again. Oh yeah. And it's and it's fun to do it, and you get to mm. turn it on and turn it back off when you got to go to work, and it's awesome. And the players are cool with it because it's they get it. You know, it's off season; they don't have a game to focus yeah. on that day, so they and, they understand you know, it. And it's Sox Fest. Yes. Yeah. Why wouldn't you come on out here and hang out? Uh, a big thanks to our list of let me get the list of guests and uh, people to say thank you for. Or thank you, too, real quick. That's the proper. Uh, big thanks to David Hochberg and his crew for coming out here and hanging out and doing yeah. their show, Sweet Home Chicago, uh, on right here from SoxFest. They were nice enough to talk to uh, Eric Soderholm and Tim Anderson, starting shortstop Dude. for the White Sox. I, David Hochberg and Tim Anderson have a race planned. Oh, no. Uh, it's not going to end well for David. Tim's going to oh. smoke him, absolutely yeah. just ruin him. But the race Laugh is going to happen. <laughs> Uh, Tyler Saladino stopped by. We hung out with him. Harold Baines was here. Thanks to him for hanging out. Tyler Danish, Zach Collins, Ed and DJ hung out with us. Dan Jennings was here. And Zach yeah. Birdie we just finished talking to uh, a couple of minutes ago. Thanks to Bob and Marianne for hanging out with us. Very cool. And Brendan, yeah. thanks for stopping by, man. Dude, Represent. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well this done. Is, this has well been done. awesome. Uh, Brendan also brought me a gift, uh, in case you're just tuning in for the end of uh, White Sox Weekly. Brendan brought me a gift. It is a black and white. Very, uh, he's very svelte. It's the pinstripes that make it work. Bill Melton photo from about mm. 1970 something. Bill is handsome, handsome devil. Yeah. Uh, he's got a mop of hair, yeah, and it's it really just, does. Uh, yeah. I need to get this signed by Bill, <laughs> but I have to do it. He'll hurt me if if yeah. I ask him. Yeah, yeah. So it's got to be on a good day for me because yeah. he'll do it. He'll absolutely do it. <laughs> That's music. Means it's time to say goodbye. We'll be back out here tomorrow morning at 11 o'clock from Sox Fest. you got White Sox Weekly. I'm Connor McKnight, and we will talk to you tomorrow. Have a wonderful afternoon.